the fifth generation leadership podcast with Grant and Rod. Lead us in, Grant. All right, welcome to another episode of Fifth Generation Leadership. Uh, today with us, we got uh, former Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller, and uh, um, you know, as always, myself and Rodney. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk to Brad about uh, his his time in the Army leadership. Um, he was in the news a bit and had some interviews regarding um, the vaccine mandate, and it ended up pushing him out of uh, battalion command and he ended up resigning his commission uh, over it. So we'll, we'll talk about that um, and, you know, just what he's doing now, um, mindset in terms of leadership, in terms of government, um, all that stuff. So without further ado, um, Brad, uh, how'd you, how'd you get started? What we usually start with people is we talk about um, going back as early as childhood. Cause for a lot of people in the military, that's kind of when the idea comes into their head that it's something that they want to do. Um, so we don't need to go back back that far, but um, when yeah. did you decide that you wanted to join the army? Okay, cool. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I was just telling Rodney that I listened to you guys' interview. I listened to, I had listened to a little bit of it a couple of weeks ago. And then um, I listened to the rest of it last night and then, and then this morning. But uh I think I saw something you guys had posted a couple of weeks ago about your podcast and starting it up. So really happy to be here. And, um, you know, Hey, I appreciate what you guys are doing, you know, the stance that each of you have taken individually, but then also what you're doing with this podcast as well. So, um, yeah. So to answer your question, so I'm, I'm Brad Miller. I grew up in uh, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in a family that was a, a pretty typical, you know, Southern family, pretty patriotic, uh, but not a military family. But I was, I would say I was kind of close to the military in a way. I mean, I didn't live, I was from North Carolina, but I mean, I, I didn't live anywhere near Fort Bragg. I mean, as a kid, I don't even think I knew Fort Bragg existed, right? But, um, but when I say I was close to the military, I was always kind of interested in it. So then in high school, I was kind of looking at maybe applying to um, one of the service academies, you know, to make a long story short, you know, I ended up at West Point and then uh, and then I graduated in 2003. Um, I didn't know anybody who had gone to West Point before. And in fact, I had never even visited, but um, I just showed up, you know, and then a couple of years later graduated. And so then went into the army in 2003. Hold on. I didn't realize you're a ring knocker. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a surprising number of people from the service academies that um, have stood strong in the vaccine mandate context so you know i, I wish there were more but yeah, yeah. but i think that I, I think it's disproportionate it feels disproportionate maybe that's just the people that i ended up getting connected with but sure. um you know like two of the other people that we've talked to so far you know mark zito and rob green you know we're both uh yeah. service academy folks so yeah uh, i mean i've done um i've done what? interviews with a couple of guys who are you know fellow west pointers like myself and we're we're, we're pretty um I'm just going to be honest. I mean, we're pretty hard on our, our, um, you know, our fellow graduates, you know, because it's kind of like, where are you guys? You know, what are, what are you doing? You know, we all went to West Point and there's a, you know, there's a special type of indoctrination that, um, you know, that you're going to get at one of the academies in, in a good way. I mean, unfortunately the academies are not what they were 20 years ago. I, just like you could say for the military, but still, 
you know, when I went through, I mean, I'm very proud to be a, a West Pointer and I'm, and I'm very proud for a lot of the lessons that um, were, were that you were imbued with just as a, as a cadet, you know, and I wish a lot more people had taken that to heart, but anyway, you know, it is what it is. So on that note, what are some of those lessons? Because right. that's, you know, uh, something, uh, John Bose, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with him and, you know, they still cover that stuff because he's a, a recent graduate of the Air Force Academy. Um, what are some of those lessons that you feel like um, prompt you to ask that question? Where are you guys at? You know, because it's like we went through the same thing. They yep. espouse the same values. Well, um, what are some of those? Yeah, I, I, so yeah, yeah, go so, ahead. Sorry, can I add? Uh, I almost feel like it'd be beneficial to kind of paint the picture of like, of West Point and the camaraderie or the the entity that is everybody that goes to West Point so people can kind of understand. Because um, even me, you know, I have my own like my own stereotypes or own knowledge or own whatever. But fr from everything that I've ever understood, it is very uh, strict adherence. Like you will participate in in like community stuff within the community. You will like you know, a lot of philosophy is into it. Like a lot of uh, things go into what is West Point. You know yeah. what I'm, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. So yeah, uh, it's a great, it's a great question. So, um, so real quick for those, those who, who may not know a whole lot about West Point. So West Point um, is also known as the United States Military Academy. So it was founded in 1802. And it was founded with the express purpose of um, allowing an education entry into the officer corps of the United States. And anyway, you know, a couple of decades later, you formed the Naval Academy. And then about a hundred years after that, you formed the Air Force Academy with, uh, with similar charters for their respective services. Um, so it's a four-year institution. Of course, it, it grants you an undergraduate degree upon, uh, upon graduation. And I mean, it's a very strict regimen. It's very strict in terms of the academic rigor, but then it's also very strict in terms of your formation as a prospective army officer. And so, well, what comes with that? Well, it comes, you're going to have a lot of formation of character. And this is something that, you know, West Point takes very seriously. And it is going to start the minute that you arrive at West Point. You're going to be thrown into a, um, a very stressful environment. Much like anybody who's, who's going to, you know, join the army in some capacity, right? Like you're immediately under a lot of stress. Um, so, so that's going to happen at West Point too. But also you get the feeling when you're at West Point that you are part of something that is much larger than yourself. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's in the, it's in the milieu of the area. It's in the. It's like the essence of it. Almost. Yeah. And, right. And you, you got to think like going back all the way to 1802 and like the establishment of it and a, a representation of the government at a time where, uh, you know, we're, militarized and, and expanding and whatnot like its establishment is a like a legal entity or a you know almost a source of of law of sorts if you will if that makes sense what i'm saying even the um even the location of west point um where it was actually constructed is at a at a very specific point um the, uh, of strategic importance during the uh, the war for independence so, i mean that that site was selected on the Hudson River for a very specific reason, you know, to create the academy. But um, but yeah, so there's a 
there's a term that is used collectively for all graduates from West Point. It's called the long gray line. Um, you know, gray just because of the color of the, the uniforms that you wear. It's, it's also the color of uh, most of the buildings that are at West Point, et cetera, uh, and, and the weather for uh, most of the winter. But um, yeah, the long gray line. So when you when you graduate from West Point, I mean, you know, it's just within you that you are a member of um, a, a centuries long institution, you know, and you, you carry that with you. And, and I mean that in a, in a good way. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard place to go to school. You know, they say that it's a hard place to be, but it's a great place to be from. I mean, that's very true, but um, you know, they take the honor code very seriously. They also take teamwork very seriously. And I'll just give you one real quick example. And this would be similar to, to what people would learn in basic training too, or in ranger school, et cetera. But um, when I was a plebe, so when you're a plebe, that's your first year at West Point. And so you'll have formations a couple of times a day. You'll typically have formation before breakfast and before lunch. But if you're a plebe, at least when I was there, I don't know if it's still the same, um, you had to be a formation 10 minutes early. And so all the plebes in your squad, what you would do is, you would go to one person's room and then from there you would gather to get, you would make sure everybody's uniform was straight. And then you would walk down together to go form up 10 minutes early. And if one of your squad mates was a couple of minutes late, maybe coming from class, then you would wait until they got there so that you would all go down together and understanding that by doing so now you're all going to be late. You're only going to be, you know, six minutes early instead of 10 minutes early. And so you kind of like that's kind of against human nature. So you kind of have to like learn to do that because you're very frustrated because internally you're telling yourself, but I'm not late. I'm ready to go and be on time, but I got to wait for so-and-so who's late and now we're all going to get in trouble. But if I go down early without him, it, I mean, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse because now when the upperclassmen see that all I cared about was myself and I went down early to be there 10 minutes early, but I didn't you know, I was missing somebody from my squad, it's going to be that much worse. So that is, is taught to you from, from day one through examples like that, where you just learn that, Hey, you live and die by the team and you, it's not all about you. It's a code. Um, what's that? It's a code for sure. 100%. Yeah. Yep. yeah, for sure. And so now just, you know, fast forward, you know, 20 years, right. Um, when I look at that, and, and, and I look at my peers or my classmates or just other graduates, and I'm like, I know that you were taught this code. Right. And I know that you have a sense of honor and you have a sense of courage and you have a sense of integrity. I know you have that in you. And I know that you're probably internally conflicted about what is going on right now and what your role has been up to this point. So mm. where are you? You know, right. I, yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys know because you guys are in the exact same boat, but I know yeah. that you guys sometimes you're like man i'm looking to my left and my right right and i don't see too many people standing next to me like hey man i get your fight i get that you're scared you know whatever like yeah i i under i yeah that definitely resonates because that's exactly how i felt i'm like dude i get it like you're scared you're worried about your own livelihood but so is everybody else and if everybody worried about their own livelihood together and banded together then maybe we could make a change <laughs> you know what i mean for sure. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So but yeah, I, that, that paints a great picture of West Point for sure. So when I hear, you know, cause I, I agree with that a hundred percent, you get less of that um, indoctrination, like you say, indoctrination in a good way um, in ROTC, like way less of it. Um, 
I guess it probably depends on the program, but I got, I got less of that. Uh, to me, it was personally very important. The constitution was personally very important because that's why I decided that it was a job that I was willing to do and that I wanted to do is because, you know, I read, read through the constitution and was like, yeah, I can take an oath to this document. Like that's, this is all reasonable. Yeah. Um, and the fact that even at that time, I recognize a lot of people just didn't take that, that seriously. Um, and that's discouraging to see in other uh, cadets and other service members um, more so than just the general public. Um, and, you know, the general public really, that I, I don't think there's a lot of people that um, care as much as I think that they would need to in order to make it work, in order to make the country uh, work. Um, how much of that, uh, you know, your peers not, stepping up and people from the long gray line kind of being silent on this issue do you think is a product of uh of that cowardice uh and moral cowardice and them seeing the problem and and also seeing the the pension um that's right there that you um very heroically in 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 a way that like i i wouldn't you know i, I didn't take that path right like i'm still i'm still hanging out on active duty um, uh, and I'm not nearly as, as close as you were, uh, but I, I got to assume you felt the pull of that and you were like, no, I'm not going to let that influence my decision to do what I think is right. And I, I think that there's really nothing more admirable than that. Um, I think that that's when, when I, when I describe virtue, like the way that I characterize it, that's how I characterize it. When you see something where it's like, you have base desires and you know maslow's hierarchy and needs and you feel the the pull to fulfill those needs but there's a higher order spiritual need that you have that that you choose that path instead um i think that that's incredibly admirable how much do you think that your your peers let cowardice influence them versus just having a completely different formulation of what it means to uh be true to the constitution and fulfill our oaths of the constitution, um, perhaps have like buy into the safe and effective narrative, you know, and think, well, what's the big deal? It's just another vaccination. Cause I have no doubt that some people believe that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's something that I struggle with. And I'm, you know, if you've thought about it at all, what the, what thoughts do you have on that? Like, what do you sure. think the balance is? If you can comment on that. Sure. So, you know, there are a few things in life that can kind of be reduced down to an either or binary construct. But I think we're getting into a situation where in this case, you kind of you can reduce it down to that. So we have a situation where either the bulk of our leaders in the military to include, you know, almost all commanders at all levels, either lack the strategic ability for which we pay them. Right. To understand what the true threats to our military and our republic are or. They, they do understand and they are complete cowards or worse. OK, now here's what I think is actually going on. Um, I think that in the beginning, you had a lot of individuals who naturally were like uh, some of them were probably true believers. Like they, they, they believed the covid narrative. They believed that these were true vaccines that were safe and effective. I'm sure there were people who believed that, you know, 18 months ago, 24 months ago, et cetera. Well, I think it's it's even important to of like what people's ideologies might have been at the start of COVID even. 
you know what I mean? Like if people bought into it right from the start, yeah. it might affect how they're going to view the the vaccine or whatever. And then maybe some people viewed it from the start and tapered off and, you know, started to question it. Whereas sure. other people kept that faith, you know, the whole time and really listened to what their government was telling them, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think there would have been a variety of opinions um, at the beginning of the, the, the whole COVID story, you know, three years ago. And then like a year later, as we get closer to talking about potential vaccines and then closer, you know, once we get to the mandate and then this period, you know, like right now. So I think that there are people who probably believed what they were being told and thought that they were kind of, you know, on the team by uh, going to uh, get the vaccines. And there were plenty of people who rushed out to get the vaccines long before it was ever mandated, you know? And Rodney, I heard you share in your interview, and this, this, is, this is absolutely happening, where they were incentivizing people to go get, you know, the shots through, you know, some sort of reward, whatever. But this was months before it was ever mandated. Months, right? months. And, right. and be before the incentives even came there was i i mean yeah okay yeah there was incentives and whatnot like you get a four they were letting people get out of two field problems any one any ones that they chose or whatever uh you know like uh two four-day vacations or whatever uh seven days of non-chargeable leave uh and then you know once that stopped working then they're like okay well if you don't get it then you can't go home on leave uh or, or 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 go to any schools or go to any promotional freaking schools or um you know and we're gonna line you up and, and bring you in one at a time into the battalion conference room that is seated with a uh, a tabled arrangement of bc sergeant major all first sergeants and all commanders and march people in one at a time and hound them on why they're not going to get the shot that's in that's intimidation you know what i mean but i i can i can date back to when that started happening and uh it was march of 2021 mm -hmm. so this is but the mandate came out in august yeah you know what i mean so uh this is well well in advance and and we are being told that formations uh, yeah formations that aren't supposed to be even happening but we're coming around and gathering in these great big horseshoe formations just so somebody from uh, the the medical field can come talk to us about safe vaccinations yep. or whatever. You're like, dude, we're literally breathing on each other right now. Like what are, where is the common sense test and yeah. the principles of patrolling that you all always talk about? You know what I mean? It's like, yep. uh, yeah. what is so, going on? Exactly. So, you know, you have a lot of people, and this has happened not just in the military, but across the whole the whole country and much of the world where people have surrendered their own critical reasoning faculties and they've outsourced their thinking to, you know, authority figures, whether those authority figures are, you know, somebody's boss or, you know, your supervisor in the military or, you know, somebody that wears a white lab coat. Right. Um, so I, I think, but I think now, I think it is almost impossible to plead ignorance now. So maybe, maybe 18 months ago, maybe somebody was a true believer. But now, if, if you don't, if you still believe that these shots are true vaccines and that they are safe and effective, if you were that ignorant right now in, in you know, mid-February 2023, it's because you're willfully ignorant. It's because you're closing your, your eyes to all the information that has come out in the last 18 months. So I've said multiple times publicly, and I'll say it again, 
Um, I think that we have cowards in command at yep. every level of DOD from, you know, 03 to 010. So for, for those who might not know what that means, that's like, you know, your first level of command in the army is called a company commander. You know, that would be a captain who is your company commander, but you have command levels all the way up to, uh, you know, to force our generals or, you know, force our admirals. I think at every level at this point, they are all cowards. And I'm not, I'm not demanding that they all immediately resign, but I am demanding that they speak out, you know, and that they, they, they get yourself on the right side of history, you know, because I mean, this is not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And I think one of you, one of you mentioned, and Rodney, you might've mentioned this in your previous interview too, that if enough of us had, had stood up and resisted, this mandate could never have been implemented or at least it could have never been enforced. Because it, it was, people have to understand that the, the mandate was, was non-existent you know what i'm saying like it is a it is a it is a a lie of bullshit and and no commander can continue to plead ignorance all the way going back to 18 months as soon as as soon as somebody uh, especially under contract law as soon as somebody asserts their refusal or a new terms of a contract right or, or asserts their rights under a contract hence our rights under the constitution of religious freedom as soon as somebody asserts that right of religious freedom and exercises that right then the person that has jurisdiction or authority over them can no longer claim ignorance you know what i'm saying so so it doesn't matter what they believed in all honesty as soon as as soon as somebody came to them and said these are my true convictions. This is how I feel. This is my God-given right to feel this way. And there's nothing that you can do about it. They should have backed off, right? And then that's where commanders should have stepped in in support of their soldiers that did have these religious convictions, right? Like no commander is ever going to tell, uh, you know, uh, a Muslim soldier that they can't do something or uh you know a jewish soldier soldier can't do something or whatever it seemed like everything was applicable except for the vaccine you know what i mean and now your views your convictions your beliefs doesn't matter because you're just a crazy right-wing conspiracy theorist maga supporting uh you know anti-government whatever yeah you guys want me to take you through the um the timeline of kind of, kind of the summer of 2021 as I took command and kind of what I saw from yeah. my perspective. I, I uh, do, but I want to, I want to comment on one thing that you said first that I think is really important that um, I don't know that I've, I've are, are put together before, but I've felt it. And it's, it's your either, or either they're moral cowards or they're not strategic thinkers. Okay. Cause I know people to this day, I mean, I, I had a Lieutenant Colonel that I, I reached out to in a professional capacity to kind of collaborate yep. and he's, he's like, look, don't want to have anything to do with you, you know, because, you know, because of your position on, on vaccines, yep. Yep. you know, you're, you're an idiot essentially. Yep. Like I, I'm sure you have your reasons. So he's, de- he's deferring to authority. He's deferring to Pfizer and Fauci, et yep. cetera. Uh, he's a very smart dude. Yep. Um, great leader in many capacities, like had a, had a, 
very successful career uh was was combat arms before he you know switched over into physical therapy um so i i can't say that he's um you know an idiot or a coward but i can't say that he lacks the the kind of strategic thinking that we need yeah because this is so it's so obvious the threat that's posed and then back to what rodney said about it's like even to to steel man the position even if you believe that the vaccine is safe and effective and that it it is a good return in terms of risk uh when people assert a religious objection to it that's it now you have a moral obligation as somebody who swore an oath to the constitution and legal and legal yeah moral and legal and ethical all all those three things that we double check to make sure of every action that we take yep and all of a sudden that's if that becomes less important than you know how important this vaccine is it's like well then you don't have the principles required um by your oath of office to hold that to hold that office yeah you um, no longer if have jurisdiction if, you're, or authority. if you're willing to denigrate people um and say they're doing the wrong thing um and putting making you know opposing a risk to the force etc and not respecting um respecting that so i just wanted to comment on that because it's something that gets lost yeah a lot of times that um being a strategic thinker and a critical thinker like the the operational environment is incredibly complex mm-hmm. now okay and and so it's not necessarily easy but we we don't need people that can do easy stuff in these jobs we need people that are smart um have moral courage but also have that ability to think strategically and look at long-term threats for um, sure. you know and i i'm a you know oh four like oh tens need to be able to to think through this stuff and see these threats that's what they get paid for and we have way more of them than we used to yep. and th- that's what they're there for is to see this stuff and to my knowledge none of them have spoken out and um especially on active duty and and recognized kind of the combination of the way that we withdrew from Afghanistan and this vaccine mandate, like the combination effect that that's having on the spiritual readiness of the force. Right. And uh, I think it's very obvious how how that poses a threat and you can see the effects all around. I think that's also very obvious. And they're just throwing up their hands. And what was the recent article in, in New York Times? One of the major papers was, oh, now kids these days, they're they're afraid of getting... Uh, injured and they're afraid of danger which is why they aren't doing the forces it's like no uh, no that 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 metric hasn't changed like there's nothing that's changed culturally to make that it's like they just they look at what we're doing and they don't see the point and i'm i'm looking to my left and right and having conversations with people just had a conversation with the senior nco like uh, a couple days ago and he said, you know, I wouldn't recommend that my my either yeah. my daughters join the service. And that's what everybody with principles is saying. It's like, oh, I wouldn't yeah. recommend it to my family. And if you wouldn't recommend it to your family, then that's as strong of an indictment of the organization as you can make in a professional capacity is to say, that's right. not for my I've, family. I've been telling my daughter for years uh, at, at her very, even before COVID, I mean, because I personally think there was a shift in 2012, 2013, and that's where my that's where my perception of the shift began, and then it slowly started getting worse. Um, but as 
from the very first mention of her ever saying, you know, dad, I think I want to join the army. I'm like, you better not, <laughs> you know, like you're so much better than that. You are the, the world is, is yours. Do not do that. You know, um, because it's almost like, and I think you realize it when you're in the service that it's almost like you're, you're giving up or, or it appears like you're giving up your individuality of like yourself but not only are you doing that but everything around you is changing in a way that just completely encloses around you or like or goes against uh you know your your way of thinking or your ideology or whatever and you know i don't know if you ever watched the uh that congressional hearing or whatever when they were talking about i i can't remember who it was uh who was talking but there were there was a comment made about the the voting age uh you know uh it was like voting and smoking and tobacco and and all of that and what constitute a a mentally matured adult and somebody was like okay well you know if you're saying that uh people aren't mentally matured until they're you know 21 to 25 years old maybe we should push the uh, enlistment age or the, the entering of service age until 21 to 25 years old. And they were like, no, 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 <laughs> no, because they don't, they don't want mentally, uh, individual, you know, thinkers or people that are able to, at least not now, maybe, maybe at some point back in the past they did. And they wanted people that, you know, ha were, were truly after hearts and minds, right? but I don't think that that's anything that the army is anymore. And, and they want people that are young and not mentally matured because those are e more easily to, to condition and to uh, establish like their way of thinking and to lay foundations of like a, a new ideology. Um, that's why you see cults go after uh, young people, right? Um, or people that have been um, it coming from a difficult situation, it's because it makes them uh, more susceptible to to mm -hmm. buy into what is being fed them. Um, and this is why a lot of people uh, that are experiencing a, a difficult home life might go join the army or uh, because it, there's something uh, appealing about it, but the appeal is intentional. You know what I'm saying? Like they they're trying to appeal, but now they've gotten to a point where even with them trying to appeal to a younger audience the younger audience is like no <laughs> you know yeah. so so that's one thing and then the other thing is i don't think people really even think about or consider or even care about the constitution until they need the constitution um you know until one of their rights is being violated until there's something that they need the constitution to do for them uh then they they'll have this wake up moment of like holy crap you know i've been wrong all along or mm -hmm. or i've been i i can't believe i haven't realized this or you know whatever it's a it's an aha moment and i think everybody has those aha moments or or a lot of people but um unless you're unless you go through that moment where if you do not already have an idea of or a familiarity with the constitution you are not going to care about the constitution until something comes along that is trying to 
steal rights and liberties and your pursuit of happiness away from from your own life and your own existence of being um you know the i forgot what i was going to say but but pretty much you're 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 giving up all of all of that stuff unless you have the constitution to fight for you and then you're like okay you know now i see the big now i see what the fuss is about and i think people need to really read it to be able to understand what the fuss is about mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because yeah. there is there is a fuss that things are about going all the way back to the formation of the constitution and the magna carta and you know go i mean the list goes on and on and on but you know uh, side rant but i'm just saying yeah. i don't think people really care about the the conditions of their environment until the conditions of their environment become so extreme that they are forced to care about it. Um, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So sorry, long rant, my bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Brad, yeah, Brad, back to because you were you were gonna give us a play. Timeline. Yeah. 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 So so I showed up to Campbell in um June of 2021. I took command on June 10th. And so and, um, you know, Rodney will remember this. So at the time during, uh, there was about a two week period there in the middle of June where the brigade commander and all the battalion commanders changed out. And so, you know, so I was, yep. I was part of that. Um, so, you know, June 10th, when you're thinking in the, in the grand scheme of things from a timeline perspective, so that's about two and a half months before the mandate is going to be implemented. Right. Yep. And, and I'll be honest with you. So I knew exactly what I was walking into. So I knew that I was coming in and that I was on borrowed time. I knew this from day one. And so I'm a Lieutenant Colonel who's getting ready to take over a battalion. I show up to Fort Campbell and I'm wearing a mask and, and virtually nobody else is because at that time, the policy was if you're vaccinated, you don't, you don't have to wear a mask, right? Yep. So if you're wearing a mask, everyone immediately knows Oh, you're one of those. It's like the star of David, yeah. man. You know, yeah. it's like the, yeah, yeah. That it's like an, the yellow that star, an, you know? An infuriating time. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. So you, you know, you're by virtue. And I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan here of the, of the mask. I mean, believe me, I know you guys aren't either, but I mean, but it was the policy. I mean, I did, I did comply. Right. Yep. Um, me too. So, yep. so, you know, you're wearing the mask, which broadcast to everybody that you're one of those dirty unvaccinated folks. Right. You know, you're and probably, then they look, probably, probably a danger to everybody. And then know? they look at the rank on your chest too. That's right. They see the mask, they see the mask and they see the rank and they, they think, Oh, Oh no. Yeah. This guy is not on the team. Yeah. On the team. And that's a, I don't know. I don't know if that was a thing where, where you had came from this whole team. I I had never like no place I had ever been in the army ever talked about being a member of the team. Yeah. More than freaking third brigade of Fort Campbell. Everything was, you know, why aren't you being a member of the team? Hey, hey, team, how's it going, team? Everything was yeah. team this, you know, it was like crazy. All right, my bad. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, there is a um, there is a strong reputation, of course, that the Rockassans have. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that some, of some of that's crazy, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I but I was taking over the battalion that uh, that I had put number one on my list. So I I was selected for the battalion. You know, when you rank order all the battalions that you want to command, uh, I had put 21st BEB as my number one choice. And that's what I got because I, I wanted to go to the 101st. And um, 
within the three BBs, the one that I wanted to be in was, yeah, I wanted to be in the, in the, uh, in the rock science because of the reputation of the, the brigade. So and anyway, they, so they have a, they, they do have a huge reputation, a long history, but it's almost like they're, they're trying so hard to live up to that for now. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So, so just, just as an aside for people listening, because this is something that a lot of people that aren't in the army and even a lot of people in the army that are maybe more junior might not know. Becoming a battalion commander is incredibly prestigious. Becoming a battalion commander and going to the number one battalion that you picked in one of the most high speed, regular the highest army units in the entire yeah. army mm -hmm. uh, is the definition of high speed. So just wanted to throw that in there um, as to, to make it clear to listeners what the context and what that means and i'm assuming they don't just pick anybody right like you had to uh not everybody even gets... just to be a battalion commander even okay. to get selected to command a battalion let alone to go get, to that, that get your one. number one pick you have to you have right. to be the best of the best so you have you have some qualifications i see you had a ranger tab a sapper tab mm -hmm. uh you know is there any anything else or um yeah so i have a whole I, laundry um, list of stuff yeah, so some of the things that I would say about my so what would have made my my career trajectory up to that point a little bit distinctive, maybe um, I had served as a brigade XO. So okay, a lot of battalion commanders. It's there's a disproportionately large number of them that, as a major, were either a brigade operations officer or a brigade executive officer. So I'd been a brigade executive officer in the 10th Mountain Division as a major. Um, I had done a joint job, which is considered to be fairly distinctive after right. I had been, a, you know, a, an S3 and, a, and an XO. I'd had a joint job in um, in Korea. And then I had also served as an executive officer for uh, for a three star um, when I was in Korea. So I'd had several of these distinctive positions that probably separated my file from others. And then right before I took command, I had been I'd spent a year in the. Um, at what the army calls SAMS, which is the School of Advanced Military Studies. Now, technically, by the time I went to SAMS, I'd already been selected for command, but um, I was kind of an old timer when I went. When I went through SAMS, I was already a pinned lieutenant colonel when the majority of the students were junior majors, but I'd always kind of wanted to go. And it was, a, I mean, it was, a, I mean, I really enjoyed being there. It was a, it was a fantastic experience. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I had some qualifications and distinctions that made me competitive for battalion command. And then more specifically for, you know, the, the, the tactical battalion commands that probably a lot of people wanted. Um, so, so yeah, so I show up and this, this time period as I'm showing up to Campbell um, was extremely stressful for me. Like the most stressful time ever in my career, because there's, there's the excitement of taking command coupled with the anxiety of taking command. That's, that's natural. Everyone's going to feel that. But then add on top of that the dimension of I know that I'm not on the team as we spoke about and I know that I'm on borrowed time there's no way that I'm going to hold this command for for the two-year period that you would typically hold battalion command for like I, I know that going in I know that going in so so it's it's a really weird time for me and I can remember tossing and turning and like being unable to sleep at night um, a couple of days before I take the colors and I remember thinking to myself Maybe I just declined command. I know I'm just a couple of days out. I know I'm getting ready to take the colors, but 
if I'm just going to end up getting fired later on, maybe the right thing to do is decline command so that it's less disruptive on yeah. the unit. That seems and, reasonable. Honestly, it, it seems like a re like, why would I waste everybody's time type thing? You know, but then you know what my next thought was? No, fuck them. I'm going to yeah. make them fire a battalion commander, you know? And guess what? Fast forward, you know, they, they, they fired a battalion commander. Maybe, maybe they saw my bluff. I don't know. But um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to like think uh, of what would be like more symbolic or more impactful. You know what I mean? Like you just handing the colors back or, or, uh, yeah. you know, or making them fight. Cause, cause obviously if they fire you, they're in the wrong. Right. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you're, if you're passing, if you're refusing to take command, you're also standing up for and acknowledging that you're re that you're not into what they're into and you're standing up for something, if yeah. that makes sense. So, yeah. So somewhere along the way, I had to just tell myself that my command was going to be reduced down to this, uh, this whole vaccination issue, uh, particularly once the mandate was implemented now, because now it's, Hey, you got to get it or you're, or you're gone or whatever. And so I just realized that, Hey, my, my whole entire command, which was only four and a half months is going to be, it's going to be about a sense of you know honor integrity loyalty to the constitution etc and things that are normally important during command you know your the performance of your battalion at jrtc the way in which you adjudicate you know the uniform code of military justice the way in which you you know whatever all those things are also very important don't get me wrong but right. this is the fight right those things right now they don't mean much if we lose this fight and so yeah. uh you you i mean i'm sure you remember rodney but you know we went to we went to jrtc in september right yeah it, that's when i got counseled they called right. me i got counseled over the phone if that's not the most unprofessional freaking thing ever and the counseling statement was just a mess and like there's no there's no like magic bullets there's no like real like plan of action it's a you're, you're gonna abide by this and you're gonna initial d's you remember did, well did you have to sign the counseling statement mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah so you probably remember yep. it uh i actually posted it on on my twitter too if anybody uh wants to look me up on twitter twitter it's rodney greenway but i put the entirety of uh my religious exemption and the whole nine yards of everything i've gone through i posted yeah. it up on there if anybody wants to get an idea of like what we had to sign and the paperwork that we were given right so, right yeah. so yeah, exactly. So the, um, you know, for the for the viewers out there, just to maybe jog everyone's memory. So on August 23rd, 2021, the FDA approved supposedly, right, the Pfizer vaccine. And, you know, we can talk about the whole shell game between Comirnaty and, you know, Pfizer, BioNTech, et cetera. But the very next day, DOD then you know, implements the mandate. So this is August 24th, 2021. Well, a couple of weeks later, our brigade goes uh, to what's called JRTC, the Joint Readiness Training Center. And so for those who may be unfamiliar with that, you literally take your whole brigade, you deploy from your duty station down to Fort Polk, Louisiana, you know, all your equipment. And it simulates a deployment and you're down there for about a month and you're going to go through all these uh, simulated training exercises and maneuvers in a in an environment that is as um, as as realistic as possible. And, you know, therefore all the stresses of deploying down and you, yeah, you can see the pictures there. Yeah. The, yeah. This the is what, th 
This is how they were marked when they went to JRTC. And, right. and but it's not like there was any the the non-vaccinated weren't separated from the vaccinated. They still went and trained together, but these bracelets somehow protected everybody throughout right. the entirety of the training exercise. So yeah. and al- along this, people are also wearing masks and, and and it's literally the exact uh what what you're describing, Brad. Uh, yeah. Honestly, yeah, it's crazy. I'm trying to figure out how to stop sharing this. Okay. So, so. So, you're right. So, you know, people were, I mean, I, you know, I had a, I had a, a little armband on too. Um, so at this point, so it's September. So the, the mandate has just come out. Mm-hmm. I would almost say that I am in a, okay. So, so I'm a battalion commander at JRTC trying to command my battalion when we're, you know, in the box. And for those who don't know what that means, that just means that you are in these live simulated maneuvers that are supposed to uh, to replicate real combat it, you know very very stressful environment um for you know about 14 days so um so i'm in there commanding my battalion like any other battalion commander would be doing but i know in the back of my head that i am in a status of almost being uh what i would call pre-fired you know or, or pre-relieved right we're post-mandate and and i you know, I thought I was on borrowed time when I when I took the colors in June. Now I'm like really on borrowed time because the mandate is in effect, and I am uh, I know that I'm not going to comply, and it is literally a matter of time before I'm going to get relieved. So, so this is very weighing very heavily on my mind while I'm in JRTC. You know, trying to command my battalion, right? So we come out of the box. We're still at Fort Polk, Louisiana, and they start doing all the counselings. Um, I was counseled directly by the brigade commander and uh you know he and i had a great relationship and he and i had spoken multiple times about this and um he was cool with me the entire time he knew my stance on on the uh the whole vaccine mandate thing i had made him i had made it very clear to him from day one and uh he said hey you know so he ordered me which was part of the process right you get counseled you get ordered to take the vaccine you officially refuse you had to go watch some ridiculous video like a three minute long animated video from the cdc you guys remember this yeah and it was based on it was integrity based uh it was a link in the counseling statement of (laughs) of a place where a website you were told to go where you had to watch a video where you could become informed on the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine it was a, the, like the dumbest video it's so stupid but it's supposed to you know assuage your concerns about the shot so anyway so you watch that video you go back you get you get ordered again to take the vaccine if you refuse again you got to go speak to like the brigade surgeon or you know somebody in the medical provider. in the medical yeah. field right and you're supposed to talk to them and you know of course that conversation goes nowhere um so anyway so I returned. So all that happened while I was still down at Fort Polk, Louisiana. I returned back to Fort Campbell. And then on, so this is first week in October. Um, on October 22nd, I was suspended from command. I knew it was coming. In fact, this is a Friday. Uh, so, so October 22nd of 2021. Um, and I knew that this was, co- so, so here's one of the things I had tried to do. Um, I had had conversations with all of my unvaccinated soldiers. And, and one of the things that I had tried to do with them was um, by company, 
I would sit down with all the unvaccinated soldiers and I would invite the company commander and the first sergeant to sit in. I told him, hey, I'm not trying to throw some coup here. I just want all these guys to be prepared for what's coming. So I would sit down with my company with, you know, maybe, you know, six or eight soldiers, however many of that company had that were unvaccinated. And I would say to them, I'm not talking to you because I'm also unvaccinated. I'm talking to you as your battalion commander. And I'm just saying, I'm not going to tell you to take the shot or not take the shot, but just please understand this is about to become mandatory and you got to have a plan because most of these guys are lower enlisted soldiers, you know, not all of them, but most of them. Right. And it's, yep. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Kids you already know no my idea. opinion. That's yeah. right. That's right. Kids that, kids that have no idea and they are looking towards their leadership for guidance because this is something completely new. Like, yeah, we've gotten vaccines before. And we've all done, we've all gone through SRP or the soldier readiness process where they jab us with a whole bunch of vaccines or whatever. But this one was different. And this one was uh, a lie and a manipulation of the public and of the world and of humanity and just felt different. So if you were, uh, if you had this perception that something was different about it, you were looking towards the people that are supposed to be giving you guidance and are supposed to be your leader and are supposed to be setting the example, you know, and, and when the people that are setting the example or when the people that are supposed to be setting the right example are setting the wrong example or, or no example at all. And just like, ah, my hands are tied. I'm just doing my job. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people from the past that were just doing their job. Yeah, It didn't take much digging, uh, even for junior soldiers, in order to find out that they didn't have the FDA-approved vaccine on hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And saying, hey, I would like to see the vial was met with, uh, no, you're not allowed to see the vial. It's like, oh, wow, they are lying to me. Um, And then getting forced to onto a bus forced into a line and if you're a refuser you go over there and face the wall um these kids were terrified frankly um many of them were terrified so um what you did you know like you said regardless of your vaccine status like every leader should have been doing that with yeah yeah, correct that's exactly right so so i um and I told my brigade commander I was doing that I was like hey just so you know you know because I thought it, it might get back to his ears and I didn't want people to misinterpret oh yeah because people people would oh yeah of course as it was i'm sure people did misinterpret it even though i'm sure you know i think it's very clear that what you're doing is what every every leader should have been doing that's right if they cared about their soldiers i personally think that the the only ones that demanded to see like the vial or actually went and read the fda approval letter and then went back and referred to the emergency use authorization letter that the FDA, that the new FDA approval letter was referring back to, like, you're getting into like, now you're starting to get into like the weeds of law and like how, how the layman doesn't understand how like law works and stuff and how to like track stuff back to its original source and, and how things are being worded. And things are legitimately worded in a way that is only meant to be understood by the people that write it, if that makes sense. Um, and that's no, that's no tinfoil hat stuff. Mm-hmm. That is right. legalese. Right. 
that is legalese, that is like legal syntax almost, if, if, if you will, legal documents or documents that are proposed as legal, uh, they're supposed to meet a certain criteria even and meet, and, and meet certain approval and under certain authorities who are appointed under certain jurisdictions. And it gets freaking crazy, right? And if you don't know this stuff, and they didn't even tell anybody that, right? It, it was literally just the news came out one day, the FDA approved, uh, FDA approved the vaccine. And that wasn't just for like the military, right? That was for like the whole general public even. Because um, at first we had the emergency use authorization and then the news came out. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like the news can say whatever they want to say as long as the the right the or the the correct scenario is on is documented on paper you know what i mean like whoever's well, drive whoever's yeah, driving they didn't the explicitly media, at the highest levels they didn't explicitly lie you know what they said is that that's what that it, it is it received yeah. fda approval and it yep. did and then that approval was rescinded you know and the bottom line is is that they didn't have a community Yep. and right. uh they, they went lied. so far yeah. they went so far as to on many installations to many soldiers and and to me included uh i was lied to because i brought this to the attention of legal and they said no the public health commander says they have comorbidity on hand and this is back in like september of 21 and it's like mm -hmm. no you didn't uh, you know then that and that person uh dishonored themselves but yeah, be yeah. before we before we continue on i want to ask uh just a real quick question Yep. How'd your battalion perform at NT, uh, JRTC? Oh, I think our, I think the battalion performed performed great. I mean, you know, as as well as the other battalions in the brigade. Um, I'm not going to say that we we were the number one battalion or anything, but yeah, I think we did well. I think um, I think we had a cohesive battalion. It was a really good unit. I was very proud of the battalion's performance at JRTC. But here's what's interesting: while I'm at JRTC, um, here's kind of an interesting anecdote. So we are in the box, right? So we're in the middle of, you know, you know, the, the, the fight, so to speak. And, um, um, I'm in the talker generally in the, in the area of the talk and, uh, but I'm walking around, can't remember exactly what I was doing, but whatever, but my, one of my, um, one of my pre-command captains approaches me, a great, great guy. And, um, and he says to, he's like, Hey, can I talk to you real quick, sir? Yeah, sure. What's up? And it's just kind of funny because this is like in the middle of, you know, us fighting in the, in the box. We were in the middle of doing some planning or something, but, um, but anyway, he tells me, uh, Hey, I don't know if I want to command in, in this army. And what he was referring to was the uh, mandate, yeah. out, you know? And he, so he says, I, I, I took the shot. I didn't want to, but now I don't know that I want to command and, 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 force other people to do something against their wishes, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's saying a lot about you for his uh, ability or the fact that he felt that he could approach you with this, you know what I mean? So, yeah, because yeah. people will keep stuff like that to themselves even, or, or, you know, so obviously you have, you have already portrayed yourself as a person that is willing or that wants to help literally anybody and everybody that's going through any sort of struggles with this decision yeah. yeah which is interesting and i appreciate you saying that and it, and it is interesting because um so the day that i get 
pulled out of uh, out of uh, command. So I get suspended on October 22nd. Then let me back up just a second. So um, I told you guys I'd spoken to all the unvaccinated people. And again, that was just please have a plan. And I said, if you want to come talk to me about what my personal opinion is, I'm not going to say it right here with the group, but come talk to me in my office, anybody. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And I had, e, you know, E2s and E3s, so privates and private first, yeah. you know, privates first class, come talk to me. And you know, you know, Rodney, like that's a huge, it E2s is. And yeah. don't go visit the battalion commander, you know, but they did. They oh, yeah. I'm not even like, I'm not even thanking battalion commander, like as you're, as you're speaking and having private in my, like, as you're telling the story this is something okay so what he's doing and what what he's saying that he's doing with the soldiers is something more like that maybe a platoon leader or like a company commander might do to their uh because it's like a smaller group and you're you have a, a closer relationship with everybody right but once you get to the battalion level there's hundreds of people right and it's yeah. harder to keep it's harder to keep relationships and build those relationships. And typically the battalion commander is viewed as somebody that's strictly business and, you know, uh, abides by whatever the army's telling them to do and uh, does not care about your, your personal opinions. And if the army wanted you to have personal opinions, they probably would have issued you some. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and yeah, so about 550 people in my battalion specifically. Right. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I had these 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 young, you know, probably twenty year old soldiers that would come. Like I had several of them, you know, that would come in and they would say, "I'm I'm I'm really concerned about taking this shot, but I really like the army, and I I I, I really thought I was going to do this for twenty years, and now I don't know what to do." And I had one soldier say, um, "You know, my brother took the shot and 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 suffered some." pretty serious adverse effects and now I don't want to take it just some some pretty crazy almost heartbreaking stories because I had more than one soldier in my office in tears because yeah. they they can see either they're going to have to do something that the army is going to force them to do that they don't want to do yeah. or they're going to lose their career at a very young age that they liked and they thought this is what I'm going to do for the next 20 years well you know? not not only it, it doesn't even pertain to uh, you know, a young 20 year old, I was that guy crying in less, not necessarily a pleading way, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like a, like help me commander, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. brought to, brought to tears and anger and frustration because I was that guy that was going to do 20. I was already at 13, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I had already, um, like, yeah, I might be a disgruntled freaking salty NCO, but like the finish line is there, yeah. you know what I mean? So, and, and not only that, but you know, it is, it's not just a career. It, it's also a lifestyle and also like a, a lifestyle all of its own that like, once you're a part of it, the, the, the idea of leaving it is kind of terrifying. And the army also does a really good job of making you believe that there ain't shit out there for you. Yeah. Um, and if, if you do get out, especially if you're uh, an enlisted, you're just going to go back home to mom's basement 
and flip burgers at McDonald's. That I mean, that is literally what is drilled into you from the day you uh, you arrive to basic training. And then it, it's more, you know, forceful during basic training. But over the course of time, it just becomes apparent that if I don't have a plan and, and if I don't have a plan by the time I decide to re-enlist or not, the de the decision is made for me and I have to re-enlist right, Be right, right, right. because the army takes all your time away from you, especially as an infantryman. I can't say for all, all, uh, MOSs, but like the possibility to go to school, to earn a degree is extremely difficult. So by the time you spend 20 years in the army or 13 years in the army and you enter the civilian world, or even if you're a, a, a young soldier that just got out of high school, you know, always, always thought of, of serving 20 years in the army because his dad and his dad's dad and his dad's dad before him all did it. And, it, you know, that has a, a profound effect on somebody's uh, view on life and what they thought that life was going to be. And then what life actually turned out to be. And, and I went through like an existential crisis because of it, mm -hmm. you sure. know? Um, sure. I mean, I, I stood up and, and fought for like my convictions and whatnot, but while I'm doing that, I'm also having this like almost life shattering experience to where, you know, the, the same way that I always was looking out for my soldiers, I was thinking that somebody was going to be willing to do that for me. And it just wasn't the case. And I was like, holy crap, man. Yeah. You know, and then you realize just how replaceable and expendable and how, it, you know, 13 years in the army, Ranger tab, uh, airborne. You know, I have a lot of qualifications that I would think that the army wouldn't want to get rid of. But it doesn't matter. They don't yeah. give a shit. They don't yeah. give a shit because they just they have the ability to just pump it out like crazy. You know. Well, maybe yeah. not. You know. Maybe we're tearing maybe into. Not. Maybe we're tearing into that. Uh, but I think tearing into that is by design. You know. Sure. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Another rant. My bad. <laughs> um. Yeah. So one thing. So here's here's an interesting uh, little anecdote too. Right. So. Um, when I'm having these conversations with the unvaccinated soldiers, this is uh, probably as best I can remember early August. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's before we go to JRTC and it's also before the mandate is in effect, but we can see the writing on the wall. And, and of course, you know, we right. were right. I mean, it, it literally was just right around the corner. And that was kind of my message to them was, I'm not going to tell you either to take it or don't take it, but just please have a plan. Because any day now, this mandate may, may, you know, the vaccine may become mandatory and you're going to have to have a plan to know what to do one way or the other. But, uh, you know, soldiers would come ask me behind closed doors in my office, you know, just using my open door policy. They would um, they would ask me my personal opinion and I would tell them, yeah. I would tell them, if you come and you come talk to me, I will I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And I would tell soldiers if they asked me, like, no, I'm not I'm not going to take it. And the reason that I would tell people that is because. Unfortunately, I can't shield you from like, I can't stop the army from mandating the vaccine to you, but I can at least show you through my example that you do have a choice, right? Like, I'm not going to take it. You don't have to take it. That choice may come with a cost, right? But you don't have to take it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, 
because we we use the term we and i'm guilty of it too i say i i talk about people that were forced to take it mm-hmm. right um i i say that in a way that is like under coercion threat sure. or duress sure. Um, sure. sure because but at the end of the day i wholeheartedly agree with you people did have a damn choice you know yeah. if if your job is saying one thing well whatever man what what's more important your job or your personal convictions sure are sure. you going to give up are you going to completely fold on your entire essence of your existence mm-hmm. for your job or are you going to you know fight for yourself right um and, and unfortunately there's so many other variables that get added into it that make it extremely difficult such as you know wives kids mortgages you know uh, especially in the system that easily can put us upside down you know yeah. um so yeah. it, it's it there is a choice but it is a very very difficult and almost forced choice to make yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, you know so i had an in brief I think this is actually before I, I officially took the colors, maybe, maybe two days prior. Right. And, um, I had an in brief with the company commanders and first sergeants, and then all the, uh, you know, the OICs and NCOICs. So the officers in charge and the NCOs in charge of each of the staff sections. Right. Um, so, you know, leaders within the, within the battalion. So I had kind of an in brief with them. I think it was two or three days before I officially took command and it's just kind of, Hey, hey, this is me. And I had a couple, we were in the battalion classroom. I had like maybe five slides. Here's my background. Here's kind of what I've done. Here's what I really care about, et cetera. And so I put a couple things on there that I really care about. But but what I really wanted to stress to these guys, because I, again, I know I'm on borrowed time and I know that eventually my entire command is going to get reduced down to what I did with, you know, about the whole vaccine issue. So I told them right there, um, I ain't gonna hey, be here for long. <laughs> yeah, I, I said to them, let's just address the elephant in the room. You know, I'm wearing a mask. You guys aren't. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not vaccinated. I don't. I don't plan to take it. I tell you that up front. And whole, here's by the way, here's some things I really care about. Yeah. Now this is June, so it's not. You know, it's not mandatory yet. But right. I told them, I really care about doing the right thing. You know, and when I say that, it's not just lip service. I I really care about operating, you know, morally, ethically, legally, constitutionally, et cetera. And I believe in doing the right thing, consequences be damned. And this was kind of one of my taglines that I used while I was in command, because I use that exact same verbiage in the the counselings that I gave to, you know, my my, uh, command sergeant major, my two field grades, you know, the company commanders, et cetera. I believe in doing the right thing because it's the right thing. And I believe in doing the right thing consequences be damned and so i um i kind of cited some of that language later on when i was uh when i was having to write rebuttals so you know i wrote a rebuttal to the uh, the letter of reprimand that i got and i put in that rebuttal i told my subordinates that i believe in doing the right thing consequences be damned as if to kind of communicate to the cg who i i mean i know he didn't care but um yeah but it's like this is what I told my subordinates and, and I believe it. And I want my subordinates and I want everybody else to know that it, when it came time for me to throw my cards on the table and walk away, I threw my cards on the table and I walked away. 
Right. Now, this letter of reprimand, was this specifically because of the vaccine mandate, or is this because they found out that you were talking to soldiers personally or whatever? No, it was just for my my own refusal. Oh, okay. Did, did anybody... Because yeah. they couldn't... Yeah, they couldn't do it because yeah, it's open door policy. The open door policy. Yeah, yeah I, I know, uh, but, but my, obviously my, they don't like it. <laughs> my my to be so to be honest, so my brigade commander was actually pretty he was he was cool with the fact That's that cool. I spoke to soldiers. That's so cool. so on the day that I got suspended from command, right? Yep. So in the morning, it's like um uh PT time has just ended, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you know, early morning still. Uh I get a text from my brigade commander and it says, Hey Brad, I've been told I gotta suspend you today. Um, when he says I've been told by like that clearly means, you know, from the CG, right. I'm just doing my job though. Yeah. 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 So yeah. now this was not a surprise to me. I knew this was going to happen any day. Right. And in fact, the day before or two days before I had told my three and XO in the Sergeant major, I had told him, Hey, I want to do a battalion formation on Friday. So we would do not every week, but we would do Close a battalion formation. formation on Friday, maybe every couple of weeks and a lot of times um we had this this nice grassy area right outside of our headquarters yep so we wouldn't even hold like a formal formation it would literally be just a semicircle or a circle around me yeah mm-hmm. and i would just kind of answer a couple questions from the group and put out a couple things real informally and it was pretty cool and the soldiers would ask questions or whatever we would do that before jrtc or you know about whatever right so so i tell my sergeant major and my two field grades hey let's do a formation on Friday and I'm going to tell the battalion that um, I don't expect to be here much longer. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I need to tell them that. So that was going to happen on Friday afternoon on Friday morning. I get this text from the brigade commander. Hey, I got to suspend you today. So it's kind of so funny. Cause I'm somebody heard text, somebody heard. And I'm and like, didn't want- well, I'm like, so as I, as I read this text is, is this is acknowledgement of the text. Like, you know, relief. Am I relieved as of reading this text or like what's going on? So I text him back and I say, Hey, I was going to talk to my battalion this afternoon. Like I still want to do that. And brigade commander writes back, Hey, all good. Just come by this afternoon. And I was like, okay. So I've got a couple, like the rest of the day, one day, a Friday to basically uh, finish everything that I'm working on and kind of put things into either the sergeant major, the the S3, or the XO's lap, and the XO is now going to be like the, the acting battalion commander. Now, right. I had told everyone, I, I would tell my XO repeatedly, like, hey, man, uh, and my XO was a fantastic, fantastic officer, you know, and I had a fantastic S3, and I had a fantastic sergeant major, luckily, right? But I would tell the XO, I don't know that I'm going to be in command much longer and he would say nah sir i think you're gonna be okay i think you're gonna be okay well um so anyway so i get this text and i gotta go tell the sergeant major and the xo and the three like hey guys um i'm gonna finish this this and this today but then i gotta hand this stuff off to you guys because i'm like today literally at the end of today i'm done so i hold the formation with the battalion i talk to the battalion and i tell them and it was a pretty crazy bittersweet moment and i tell them i'm glad you got to do that I'm glad you still got to do that. Yeah, so am I, you know, yeah. and I, and I told him when, when we finish here, I'm headed over to the brigade headquarters to go get suspended from command. So, uh, so I finished talking, a couple guys come up and, you know, 
give me a hug, you know, shake my hand. And a lot of people in the battalion were real cool about it. I go over to the brigade headquarters and, um, and I walk into the brigade commander's office and it's just the brigade commander and the lawyer <laughs> and they're, they're seated at his table. And so like, you know, waiting on me and the lawyer, you know, he's a major, he's a, he's a real good guy. I got nothing against him personally. He's a, he's a great guy. And, um, the brigade commander, you know, I have mixed opinions about because he was super cool with me the whole time. He never treated me any differently because of the whole vaccination thing. He even gave me props for the way that I handled it with my battalion. And I'll explain that in just a second. Um, so in that regard, I will always be grateful to him for that. But at the same time, he lost an aspect of humanity. Yeah, it's in just your like, yeah. I mean, he's as much of a coward as everybody else. And I was right. saying about the CG, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And I, I had a one-on-one conversation as part of the battalion commander's shadow program in early August, sometime in August. And um, I had a one-on-one conversation with the CG and I've said CG multiple times for those who don't know what that means. It just means uh, commanding general. And so that is the division commander. So for those who, who may not necessarily know what that means, my battalion, about 550 soldiers above the battalion is the brigade. The brigade has about seven battalions in it, but above the brigade is the division and division will have, you know, multiple brigades. So a division commander is a two-star general, you know, probably 30 years of service. So I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him uh, behind closed doors in his office. And, and we talked about the whole vaccine thing. And I told him, you know, I'm not taking it. And I know what that means for my career. And it is what it is. And he was, to his credit, he was super cool with me about it. Um, I later had some pretty significant heartburn with him, which I'll explain in just a second. But, um, but on that day, behind closed doors, we were two gentlemen, both of whom are, are Army officers, both of whom are commanders. Just one of us is a two-star and one of us is a lieutenant colonel. And one of us is on the right side, the right, the side, right side, this vaccine issue, and the other is not. So yeah. I mean, we know how that's going to go, right? But he was, he was super cool with me. It, to his credit, he was super cool with me. And he's like, I just need you to understand what you're going to give up if you go through with this. And I told him, I know exactly what I'm giving up. I, yeah. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. And in my mind, he was going through his due diligence as a commander with me like I had done with my unvaccinated soldiers. And right, I to inform you and for that. To inform you of your rights, let you know, have a plan. Uh, yeah. Even even and, more and than I, that though, man to man. Like, yeah, I mean, he was sincere. Like he And was, I really, uh, I yeah. really feel like that's what it was at the beginning. Um, uh, you know, you're talking about like June timeframe, uh, you know, and, and you were talking about the writing on the wall and how everybody could see the writing on the wall. Um, the writing on the wall was so clear that I initiated action to start a med board so I could try to medically retire because um, I knew that that was the only chance I stood at at getting my retirement that I had worked so hard for. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but when it first came out, you know, June, you know, through September and even after the no, I'd say really around the time that the counseling statement came out is when everything really changed. But before that, I feel like everything was man to man because everybody was kind of seeing the writing on the wall too. But then it got to the point where the the bosses are chewing out the leaders for not enforcing the writing on the wall. And the leaders are getting so annoyed at being chewed out 
all because of this one person that refuses to follow the writing on the wall. And then yeah. everybody became uh, out for themselves, yeah. right? Uh, it, it, the only thing that mattered to that commander is his livelihood, not yours, his position, not yours, uh, you know, and his career, not yours. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that sucks because it was the same people that you had already been talking to man to man, you know, and and you had already taken in their views. You already know how they felt before it even became a thing, or at least you have an idea or, uh, but I'm also guilty of always thinking that people think just like I do. Um, you know, I, because I, I have this, I always think that there's no way people could be buying into this shit. You know, I'm very guilty of that. Um, and I have to like wake up and realize that some people are completely blind and asleep or however you want to word it and just go with the flow. Um, yeah. Like like NPCs, <laughs> you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. going through life. That's right. Know, following That's right. the code. You know? Yeah. So I, I got to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just when, so when you were talking to the CG, when you were talking to the brigade commander, mm-hmm. did those strategic implications of this ever come up? Did they give you an opportunity to say, hey, you know, why this is a line in the sand that if it's crossed, it's like, yeah, I understand what I'm giving up. And I, I wanted to comment on this too, because this idea of it's a trade-off and like I'm giving this stuff up, it's like, yeah, it might seem like I'm giving some stuff up, but really there's a utilitarian aspect of right. doing the right thing, which yeah. is that our entire civilization, uh, if if stepping over this line becomes normalized, right. uh, Western civilization is done. Right. You know, if we don't have bodily integrity, you know, if we can't, uh, if if we can be forced to comply with something that goes against our most deeply held principles, um, and if the population at large can be forced to do that, then that population is spiritually broken yeah. um, and has no dignity, and and um, the, the, you know your, your civilization collapses. Um, I know that that's kind of heavy stuff, but did they give yeah. you an opportunity to uh, talk on that stuff at all? Not as much as I would have liked to. And this is kind of one of my regrets. So so later on, so months later, like after when I was on my way out of the army now. Um, and so this is mid 2022. So like probably eight months after I had actually been um, suspended and then relieved, maybe even closer to like nine or 10 months. Anyway, a lot more information had come out. Uh, some of the things that I had always, I, I had known were going to occur, were starting to occur, you know, et cetera. And um, I was supposed to have counseling with the CG, like OER counseling, not for my OER from command, which was a really Yeah, because you were working in OER. G5, right? That's right. That's right. So like my final OER from the army. I never got a, I never got a final NCOER. They well, were I never got this OER, but, yeah. but it was, it was written. I never right. saw it. But it was written, and I was supposed to have. Oh, they uh, signed on your behalf. I, I have no idea what they did. I, I never saw it. But um, but it was in the system, but it had not been signed by the oh. raider, the senior raider, for me yeah, to, be yeah. able to sign it. And I'm waiting because I'm kind of curious about what it says. And um, and I have counseling scheduled with the CG, and and it gets canceled, and then it gets rescheduled, and then it just drops off all all together. And right. uh, 
and he was forward. The CG was forward, but it was going to be a, um, it was going to be like a, like a VTC counseling, Yeah, you know, and it got scheduled. And I wanted that counseling to occur because I was days away from signing out on terminal leave. Yeah. And, and I was gonna, I was going to tell him, um, exactly what I thought was going to happen has happened. And Oh, by the way, this order is illegal. Yeah. Which I had never told them before. And here's some, this is kind of an oversight on my part and I blame JRTC. So, um, the whole, like the, the memorandum that came out, you know, in mid September of, uh, uh, of 2021 from Dr. Terry Adderham about the whole interchangeability between the two different vaccines and the, you can use these EUA products as if they're fully licensed and that whole shell game. I didn't know about that when I got suspended. So when I wrote my rebuttal to my letter of reprimand, I didn't mention anything about the, the like clear illegality because I wasn't aware of that. I thought the whole thing was strategically misguided. I would have told you then that I thought there was some treason going on at the top of DOD. I certainly believe that now. And I thought that, um, and, I, and, I, and I thought that it was all immoral and unethical. I did not use the word illegal because I, I didn't know about that whole, that whole shell game. I probably learned about that maybe just after I got suspended, maybe towards December of 2021. Yeah. You, you yeah. didn't have time. You were busy commanding. Of the yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and we, we were in JRTC yeah, that's a you know, crazy... in the box where you're like yeah. not even supposed to have, you know, your, 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 your you know, yeah, no, that's, that's totally blocked that's... off from the, yeah. the outside world. But, um, yeah. So, so there's some things. So I wanted to have this conversation with the CG um, and I never, you know, I never got a chance. And, and it, it's curious to me why that counseling that I was supposed to have on my way out the door never occurred. And I'll tell you, here's something else that's really curious is, so I got suspended from command on October 22nd, six days later, October 28th, a memo was signed by the CG formally relieving me of command. Now that's pretty typical. You get suspended first. I was going to ask if it was the same or different. So, yeah. So yeah. I got it. There were a couple of days in which I could, I could have uh, um, submitted matters for consideration as to why right. I should be relieved of command. I didn't even do that. I submitted a rebuttal to the letter of reprimand, but when my suspension from command came around, I was just, I'm not even going to play this game, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I didn't submit any matters on the 28th. A memo was written signed by the CG uh, formally relieving me a command, right? How did I get that memo? It was signed on the 28th of October. I got it via email on November 15th. So 18 days later, and it was emailed to me by the brigade judge advocate. So a major who is a staff officer. So I didn't even get it from a commander and I didn't even get it from somebody who, who outranks me. Now, nothing against right. that major. He was just told, Hey, send yeah. this to Lieutenant Colonel Miller, but it's like, he so I was yeah. formally relieved of command via email 18 and days after the memo had been, had been, uh, you know, right. signed. And I received the email from a staff officer who, who doesn't have the authority to serve it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not trying to make it all about rank, but it's no, just, it matters. You know, it matters because it's a staff officers don't relieve battalion commander, you know, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, there's like it, a whole system of like of who's able to do what and who they're able to approve to do stuff in their absence. And if that person is of 
of lesser rank than the person that they're supposed to have authority over. Now there's other complications into the matter. And it's literally like all, I don't, you're going to have to dive into the weeds of the United States code and the uniform code of military justice and figure it out. But it's in depth. <laughs> yeah. It's, I would have so liked to have been relieved in person. Now, Rodney, you may remember this. So the whole division went to the field in early November. Yes. You know, yep. Um, big, huge, you know, you know, division training event. after just getting back from JRTC. That's right. They were that's only right. back for what two weeks. That's right. Maybe? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's so, that's weird to have back to back so, like that. Right. So after I get relieved of command, I go to the division staff to work in the G five, so the plan section. So I am in the in the D main, so the division talk. Right. Um, I'm in there working with the planners. The, the CG, I mean, the, the CG's there too, right? The CG sees me, shakes my hand. He says, hey, Brad, how's it going? And I say, oh, you know, great, right? I mean, that's the extent of our conversation. But, um, but I'm there for several days before I get this email. And it's like, first of all, in my mind, I should have been relieved in person. Right, yeah. When I, so I should have been relieved in person. And it also, being in the field is not an excuse because I'm literally in the same talk as the CG. Right. It literally would have been as easy as me just going to the back of the, the tent where like, the, you know, the CG's little little area is and just yep. going in there and reporting just as if we were in his office, you know, back in the, you know, back in Garrison. Yeah. And that never happened. But, I'm, but, I'm, but I, I will give credit where credit is due because here's an interesting part of the conversation as well. So we are, and this is where I have mixed opinions about the CG. So um, we are, because I think that was a cowardly move to not relieve me in person and then I don't get this email till 18 days later. Totally ridiculous. But right. we're in a meeting in in the uh, in the the division talk. We're in a meeting with the CG, and I'm in that meeting, and we're in just one of the back areas of the tent, you know, going over whatever. And um, it it I don't remember what the topic of the meeting was, but it was something that was not field related. It was some project people were working on for you know once we got back to Garrison, and they're briefing the CG on it. And the CG says, how is this going to impact battalion commanders? He's kind of talking to himself. How is this going to impact battalion commanders? And then he says, well, I got a couple former battalion commanders in here. You know, let me ask him. And he looks over at the Division G3, but in his line of sight behind the Division G3, I'm seated. And so he says, hey, G3, who had just come out of battalion command, right? Uh, what do you think about this? And the G3, you know, gives him an answer. And then he's looking at me, but I don't realize that he's looking at me. I think he's still looking at the G3. And then he says, hey, Brad, what about you? What do you think about this? And it totally caught me off guard because he's he's asking me a question as if I'm a former battalion commander who like served a full, complete, honorable battalion command, you know, just like the division G3 did. So it totally caught me off guard. And I was like, not even prepared to answer his question. Cause I was like, so shocked that he was asking me as if I was a, you know, like a, like a, a guy who served an honorable full yeah. three year battalion command. So that was a, I don't know, even if he did or did not intend that, but, but he did it publicly. He did it in a meeting. It's, it still means that he viewed yeah. you as a professional. Yeah. It was a, to me, it was a, it was a cool, it was a, it was a cool moment, you know, it's yeah. so, Again, I file it away on the side of you know, I appreciate that he he did that. Now I do wish I had had my my last counseling with him because I'm very curious how that would have gone. That did not happen. I also shot a text to my uh, brigade commander 
um, and asked him, I was like, Hey, can we, can we meet up at some time? I just want to come see you, you know, my way out the door. And I, he never responded. And so that never happened, you know, because I wanted to go one, he and I were cool with each other, but I also wanted to go to him and look him in the face and say, you know, this is illegal, right? Oh. I kind of never got that opportunity. So, yeah, but so I, I think on that note, I think, and, and none of the unvax folks are behind the scenes and the conversations that have not happened over email um, or even phone, the things that have happened behind closed doors, uh, person to person. But I suspect at a certain point, uh, the walls went up uh, on the legal side because they knew that they were uh, legally vulnerable. And um, the highest levels of JAG pushed down and in, in word of mouth conversations, you know, don't talk to unvaccinated folks. Yep. That's what don't I talk to them. That's All what the communications gonna... go through legal. Um, the DOD is uh, fighting this. It's not looking like it's it's a hard battle. Yep. And people are providing communications to legal teams. Um, and uh, it's coming out in court. Uh, the thing that got leaked to Rob Green, that universal denial yeah, system, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Uh, they wanted to control that. And so a lot of these um, senior folks that were willing to have those man-to-man -man conversations, all of a sudden uh, flip was switched. Yeah. And they they weren't willing to risk it. Yeah. Um, but there is a word for that. It's called, you know, it's called cowardice. You know? yeah. yeah. I was yeah, going to ask sure. you. Yep. Yep. I was going to ask you if, if at first, um, you know, before, you know, around the time where the man to man and human to human conversations were going on and people could see the writing on the wall and knew your intentions, uh, but were like in a, an authority or a leader over you, did anybody at first, before those walls went up, was anybody, instead of also telling you, make sure you have a plan or or uh, know the implications of, was anybody giving you advice on how to navigate the issue? No, um, no, not really. Yeah, Cause we had to figure it out all yeah, by ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you couldn't, like, have... you couldn't go to legal and ask, like, like you had right. to figure out everything by yourself. Yeah, I, I wasn't go... sure if you as an officer or you as like a, a battalion commander having worked yeah. closely with a legal team happen to know a little bit more than maybe a, a sergeant first class might or yeah or there, there was there was a guy that i spoke to on the installation who was a um you know retired jag officer you know one of the one of the you know trial defense guys um i did go to him and i did ask his advice and he was helpful on how to write my um the rebuttal to the letter of reprimand now i kind of i kind of regret complying with some of the 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 suggestions that he gave me because, because it means i that you participate in the system yeah, i, I kind of wish i had not even like, so I, I wish i had done one of two things i wish i had either submitted a rebuttal to my letter of reprimand that was very very hard line yeah or i wish i had just not submitted one at all right and i wrote one that was kind of hard line and then this this guy kind of he was like hey and he he suggested to me that I soften some of the language, and I did, and I kind of regret that. No, and because, because you, of have that, to, you have to proclaim, you have to declare your independence or your rights or your yeah. whatever. And well, if you just, do not, if you do not assert them or proclaim them or declare them, yeah, uh, you you give them up by by way of omission. You know, or, the, the way the way that I see it is 
you know, the letter, the the rebuttal has zero percent chance of having a, a legal zero, impact. zero. And so, Correct. and Correct. so, softening it up as if because I I was confronted with the same thing for my uh, my appeal for my religious accommodation. Yep. I got some people being like, oh, you know, that's kind of uh, extreme. And it's like, look, they're not they're not going to take what I say seriously. So I'm going to yep. speak the truth and say yep. exactly what I think the problems are. So, I mean, I can I can relate to that 100 percent because my initial uh, request for religious accommodation was very um, much more milquetoast. It wasn't yep. nearly yep. as yep. aggressive, but yep. I, I realized, hey, they're not reading it. They're not right. evaluating it based that's on right. its merits. And so it's like you said, you know, just say, say what's in your heart and what you believe to be true. Yeah. And hopefully somebody reads that and just, yep. it's like, Hey, just so you know, yep. this is where I'm at. And so these I, documents do live on. So even though the, yeah. they never read, yes. you can always use that later and say, look what I wrote. What so, okay. Said, yeah. So, so, uh, remember when we got the first counseling statement and then you had to either get it or start your process for religious exemption uh, uh, memorandums and whatnot. You got to go talk to the chaplain, the brigade chaplain, the the PA, the freaking the brigade freaking surgeon who, or whoever comes in. And then you give that packet to your commander who writes a memo. And did you write any memos by any by any chance? I did not. No. OK, so uh, so the religious exemption everything that i just described goes into a packet goes to the commander then yep. he writes his own uh memorandum and whether he uh, approves or disapproves of of what you're asking for and then that goes up to the brigade commander who writes another memo considering everything yep. and your commander's consideration and, and writes a memo and sends it up to the division commander who does the same thing for all of that and then and then right. sends it to the uh the office of the surgeon general to make the decision um and and it took six months for my decision to come back right mm -hmm. but by the time that my decision came back i was already uh med boarding i i'm already uh i have my ratings and everything mm -hmm. and, and they're trying and there was that policy that says if you're going to get out before uh july 1st or something like yep, july 30 yep, yep, july 31st yep. i can't remember the exact date um then it's not applicable to you so uh my commander told me to write a memo or to uh either go get the vaccine or submit an appeal to the religious exemption and i was like i don't have to do this because i'm in the window to get out and that's mm -hmm. when they're trying to tell me oh well the division commander the div well they tried telling me all along that the division commander is going to decide between my involuntary separation packet and my med board packet i'm like all right man whatever like we'll see what happens um but they told me to submit the exemption memo or, or the appeal i typed it up i brought it to s1 so mm -hmm. and, and i and i turned it in and s1 called uh um transitions transitions office or something like that yeah uh, and ask them about it and they're like no he's within the the window or whatever so he didn't submit it and i continued on getting out and i i didn't go to work for a whole year mm -hmm. and they they preferred me to not be at work 
because I'm a influential sergeant first class that's very opinionated and outspoken and yeah. doesn't care what anybody has to think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so they they allowed me to stay home for a year before I got kicked out and literally like nobody called. Yeah. Nobody, I mean, like friends did, but like as far as leadership to make sure I'm like still alive and didn't like blow my brains out or something for the yeah. stressful situation, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm sure maybe yeah. some people probably yeah. did. Some people probably did. Um, but I get a call back a couple months later asking me if I submitted the, uh, or if I turned in the appeal, I was like, yeah, I did. I was like, I did my job. Mm -hmm. I did what I was supposed to do to fulfill my obligations. And I handed right. it in to S1. Whatever actions they decided to do is not my problem yep, whatsoever. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so he freaked out, man. Right, you need to come turn in this memo again and blah, blah, blah. Well, the thing is, uh, my appeal uh, was hard hitting uh, and was called out some facts and did recognize the fact that the approving authority of the appeal wasn't even going to take it seriously anyways. And literally just so, but then at the same time, called out the brigade and the battalion and everything that I'm seeing and, and whatnot. And for some reason, uh, after I give it to them the second time, they decide to stop it at the brigade level. Right. So, so my religious, my religious voice was silenced because they suppressed my paperwork going forward to the approving authority. Yep. So at, at first I was like, you know what? I don't care. But when I, when I submitted it, I was like, you know, cause obviously this, this vaccine thing, this push to bot, body bodily autonomy or whatever is just the start. And we're going to see it again. Right. And there, there might be another vaccine or whatever. So I'm like, man, it'd really be nice to have a piece of paper yep. by the federal government, the department of defense saying that I have a religious exemption. Right. So then nobody can like refute it or whatever. Um, but obviously I can't get that if the paperwork never went forward. Yep. So I submitted, uh, I sent an email to, uh, the secretary of the army for the department of manpower and reserve affairs or whatever. Um, and I tagged all three civilians into it and I submitted all of my exemption paperwork with it uh, along with an email typed out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, you know, uh, and I explained, I, this paperwork was submitted while I was still in the army. Therefore this paperwork is valid. You mm -hmm. know, I might not be in the army anymore, but this is, uh, essentially, you know, something that I submitted while I was still in the army. So therefore is under the army's documentation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. and I, I didn't really notice it, but they did, they did end up sending me like an official, uh, it's not a refusal, but it's like, since you are out of the army, we are going to, uh, drop this matter pretty much yeah. and they've um, and they've done that with everyone now mm -hmm. so including me like my pending appeals never gonna oh they did adjudicated well they they haven't said this explicitly to me it's been at like well they should there's there's, there's, yeah. there's been there's been releases in the xorg you know like when the mandate was rescinded saying yep. that they're they're gonna stop processing yeah uh, but rescinded or 
rescinded yeah, yeah. or it's, not, it's, it's still hey, a. It's these are these are the. I know, uh, I know, I know. This but... is the stupidity of bureaucracy. <laughs> Oh, so Brad, I'm, what I want to get into, you know, because we've, we've been talking a while, and we haven't gotten to talk about uh, leadership stuff explicitly. Um, that's always something we like to hear from folks, and uh, especially people that have demonstrated, you know, moral courage and, and acting in accordance with their principles. What are some uh, key leadership principles that you've uh, established over the years that you've seen that have been effective? Um, you know, just, I guess, yeah, nuggets that you've picked up over sure. your yeah, yeah. nearly 20 year career. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me, let me uh, give an example of that because we were just talking about, you know, some of these memos that people were writing. So the last thing that I ever wrote to the army was my resignation letter, you know, and I did write that pretty sharply. And there's a part in there where you explain why you want to resign. And I, I said something like, um, you know, I believe that what's going on constitutes um, misconduct and malpractice by DOD against the service members. And I see that my own values no longer align with the values of the senior leadership at DOD. And therefore, I believe that the best course of action at this time is for me to resign. And I intend that to be pretty sharp. Like, hey, my values that I hold dear, you know, integrity and you know, leadership by example, et cetera, that's not what senior you know, DOD leaders are about anymore. So therefore I need to, you know, separate myself. So just, um, I, I hope that I never want anyone to look at me and say that Brad Miller thinks that he is the best army officer that, you know, ever put on the uniform. That, that has never been my claim. My right. claim has been that I was, uh, you know, a good talented army officer, who did a lot of things right throughout my career, but made plenty of mistakes, just like everybody else. Right. I'm not saying that I was anybody special, but that in this particular set of circumstances, which I think are, are the most important set of circumstances we've been in, in a very long time in our country. I'm not uh, wrong. <laughs> I got this right. You know, that's yeah. what, that's what I want people to, to, right. to say. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but I am saying I'm on the right side of this. And I wish that our peers would, look themselves in the mirror i'm not saying they're bad people but i am saying that they're that they're wrong here and if there's anything that i learned along the way with my career it's that um you know it kind of goes back to that tagline that i mentioned before you got to do the right thing consequences be damned and and i hope that if anybody looks at me as some sort of of, of example it's even if they disagree with the decision that i made like even if they still believe in whatever narrative I would hope that they would at least acknowledge my resolve to do the right thing, even if it means, you know, great cost. And, and, I, and I would say there are three major things that I sacrificed through the decision that I made. You know, I, I, um, I sacrificed my command, you know, my career, and of course, my, my retirement. You know, I got relieved of command. My career ended because, I mean... I don't know. Would I have been promoted to 06? I mean, we just have no the, idea. Right? The implication, so I, the implications are so much greater than that, though, because if you are a, a good person that does the right thing, consequences be damned, and, and there, you have that example to set for others, and then you're removed from setting that example from others you're you're screwing you're sacrificing those soldiers like the individual people as well you know the people that could have 
learned and grown from what you had to uh to demonstrate to them you're correct you know what I yes. mean? so yes and you're that, depriving them of 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 the leaders you know we exactly we, we've gotten of rid of leaders. the true leaders you know yeah. mm -hmm. of leaders of that care like legitimately care not ones that are just down to check the box yeah um not one uh you know not ones that will refuse to check the box either though you know but but like somebody that can interpret ucmj or or whatever united states code mandates or whatever but then also apply logic and reasoning to be first and foremost above those things you yeah. know what i'm saying uh especially considering an ever-changing environment there's no way you can stick to a a simple what's written on paper for an ever-changing environment that has to come from using logic and reason based off from the environment that you're operating within yep. you know sure. so and also, and that's something that that like a piece of paper can't teach or or a crap or or a a poor leader being put into a position that's something that they can't teach that's something that comes from a leader that like really resonates with people you know um, one that like speaks to like the inner self of like the individual soldier. They can say one thing that speaks to everybody in different ways, you know, and mm -hmm. like if you're putting bad leaders in the the bad leaders are also missing aspects of humanity. You know what I'm saying that that the good yeah. leader does have. And it's it makes a huge difference, in my opinion. It, it is we, like it's it's like you said about people agreeing with you. You know, every everybody has slightly different values, and yeah. we all have a diff, slightly different sight picture for like what the world is. Like we all have a slightly different map, but uh, we can all recognize people that live in accordance with their principles and people that don't. So mm -hmm. it's like whatever your spouse principles are living with them is the example that I, I think is the most fundamental example that a good leader provides, yeah. you know, is, you know, living in accordance with your spouse principles, your actions line up with your stated beliefs. Uh, hypocrisy, I think is the definition of toxic leadership. Yeah. Yeah, and, for sure. Like double standard stuff. Oh, yeah. I and so it. I, I hate it. Set yeah. So on, in, in that term, you know, I, I think that, that that's pretty straightforward one thing i want to say about what what you gave up to kind of elaborate because you're in a position where if you spelled this out you know people could accuse you for lacking humility but um if you get through a ctc rotation that goes well like that's the thing in battalion command that's going to cause problems right and and if, if you were to pick any one thing you know like sharp eo type stuff you know, which if you have character is not going to happen um, right. yeah. you know, as a result yeah. of you. And um, CTC rotation, which is the most dicey because it's the most kind of outside your control. If yeah, you have yeah, people yeah. that are on your team that aren't prepared and you got you got through that. And so you like very little chance that you would not have had a very successful command. Right. And yeah. been lined up um, and been very competitive for brigade command um, and, and making 06. Like, so that's not, um, you know, we don't have to speculate too much. Like that's what you were on track for. And then um, in terms of giving up the the pension, I mean, if, if you had 
uh, compromised a little bit and said, you know what, like, I do have religious belief that qualifies. So I'm going to submit a religious accommodation request. Um, but that would have compromised a little bit because you, you still would have been serving in an organization that doesn't share your values. Right. Right. Um, in an operational capacity where it's like, you know, and I, at, at this point, I feel compelled to defend myself a little bit to, to differentiate. This is why I think, uh, believe in H2F, holistic health and fitness, because really my stance is, is that holistically healthy and fit soldiers are the least likely to uh, obey unlawful and unethical and immoral orders. For sure. Yeah, for but, sure. And that's my whole wheelhouse. But when yeah, you're in yeah. the operational army and your job is to execute the mission and at a certain point, it's like, well, this, this mission and what's being executed and what's being advanced is not in alignment with my values, you know, being saying, you know, I'm not going to submit this religious accommodation request, even though I will qualify for one, because, you know, I can't not resign my commission because serving in this function is not Correct. in line with my values. Yes. There's yeah. no doubt, like at, at this point in retrospect, that you would have been able to get to 20 and, and get the pension if you had compromised on that, on that principle. Right. Yeah. And so that that's a huge thing, but it's like you said, consequences be damned. And then, um, well, the, the third thing is, um, well, that I, I, we kind of addressed it with the career uh, versus like the battalion command. Yeah. But I just I just wanted to say, like, you're not in a position to say, hey, clearly, like you are fast tracked, like you're one of the like, like, I guarantee you had a hot freaking talent management file at HRC, right? Like you, you were one of the folks that the army was going to rely on. Yeah, to be one of those senior leaders that is capable of getting shit done. And, and I, I, I was going to be one of those people, you know, I was being, yeah. I was being looked at for E8, you know, yeah. so it's not like, and I made seven and seven and seven, well, seven and eight, just because I had to wait to go to actual M slick, you know? So like, yeah, it like snatched away everything that you had sure. been working so hard for, you know, like, because for us to go to these schools and to do these career progression positions it's through our own recognition of what the army wants out of us in order to succeed so when we work really really hard to to meet those requirements that the army wants for for the best of their leaders only to have that all thrown away at the end that's like you know uh, pretty wild, you know, because you you had literally lived by and done a, exactly what the army wanted you to do, a, and you did it in a way that was so good that it was fast and faster than your peers or maybe even people ahead of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, and they're just like, nope, we don't care about you anymore. You know, um, what yeah, can? Yeah. Can you explain a little bit like what resignation means, like what what it means for an officer to resign? And then also considering the fact that, I mean, so you did resign, mm -hmm. but you resigned out of a result of the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The kicking out of command. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the relief, the relief of command. The relief of yeah, command. The, 
Yeah. Um, so, so you resigned due to the relieve of command in yeah. addition to, or in combination with the vaccine thing. And yeah. now, and it sounds like you lost your, your pension because of it, but considering yeah, I didn't the make it to 20. Yeah. So I'll, I'll the facts explain. after the case, couldn't you, uh, like submit proper paperwork to reverse this stuff or to submit an early retirement packet? So to uh, reverse reverse the resignment, but then submit early retirement, if that makes yeah. sense. Since I, they I mean, reversed I, I'm, I'm certainly looking at you know legal recourses. Um, yeah. Just because I just because I resigned and gave up my uh, my retirement, and you know, knowing full well what I was doing when I did right. it, does not mean that if the legal opportunity for this to get corrected comes available, that I wouldn't take it. I would. I mean, I do believe that I. Yeah. I mean, I, I was you know, at the door of 20 years when all this right. happened. Here's mm -hmm. what I don't want to do though. What I don't want to do though is, uh, I really don't, I don't feel comfortable putting the uniform back There's on. There's no way I would myself. go back in. Right, right. That's no what I don't way. want to do. No so, way. So here's what, here's what happened. So I was, um, you know, I was relieved at the end of 2021, relieved of command. Um, for anybody who, who might be uh, curious about that, what, what that means in terms of the army, just because I was relieved of my command position does not necessarily mean that I was immediately kicked out of the army. Right. Because I was no longer battalion commander. So a couple of months passed. There was a uh, there was an army directive that came out from, you know, headquarters of the army. I believe it was on January 31st of 2022. And that's when uh, the army clearly said, we want to have a fully vaccinated force by one July. Therefore, we're going to kick out everybody who is unvaccinated other than those very, 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 very small numbers of packets that they would have approved for some sort of either medical or religious accommodation. But they wanted virtually a fully vaccinated force by 1 July. So the mark was on the wall, either take the shot and be fully vaccinated or you're going to get kicked out. And the word on the street was, if the army kicks you out, you're going to get kicked out but you're not going out the door with an honorable discharge. It's probably going to be a general discharge. That was kind of the word on the street. So I was looking at all this. I was reading this directive. I was trying to figure out what to do. And I decided I was going to resign. And there were two reasons why I wanted to resign. One moral and one practical. So the moral one we've already kind of spoken about. And that was kind of the way that I worded it in my, in my resignation memo. Clearly, my values, which kind of closely aligned with the army values in all honesty, right? Yeah, this not is the values that are held by senior leaders of, of DOD who are, have, have taken a, a total wide turn from what we would call, you know, the army values, right? The other, the, the kind of the secondary reason was a more practical one. And so I don't want everybody to look at me and just say, oh, this guy never thinks practically. So the practical rationale was if I resign, at least I retain my honorable discharge. Right. Um, as opposed to potentially getting kicked out with, you know, like, like a general discharge, even if it's a general under honorable circumstances. What I did not want to do, and there were friends who, there were friends who suggested that I stall. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stall. I'm not going to, um, I'm just, I'm not going to stall just to make it to retirement. I don't, right. I don't want to do that. I would not feel comfortable doing that. If I had wanted to stall, the easiest way for me to do so would be to submit the religious accommodation request. So I never submitted one. I think that there are plenty of well-meaning people who did submit them, and that's great. Just my personal view was... It was a system that got abused? It was a system that got abused, and I'm not here to question anybody else's 
yeah. views. But in my mind, here's the other issue with it is that um, if so, it's not that I don't have serious religious objections to the shots. I do. That's yeah. not the point. It's I, that, I, I, and I was even going to ask you, like, where yeah, where yeah. your beliefs come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I certainly do. I certainly do. But in my mind, it's all if you submit a religious accommodation. This is just my view. I'm not saying anybody else. Has you're to playing the game. Well, one, you're playing the game. Mm -hmm. It is a system that can be easily abused. But also, it's almost like you are conceding right. that the shots are safe and or effective. You just have issues with either the research, the development, or the production of the shots. You know, we've heard people talk about the fetal cell lines, et cetera. Oh, no, that wasn't my religious yeah. exemption right. at but all. For, <laughs> but but for, for some people, they yeah. are. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, 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 and I'm not trying to diminish yeah. people's objections with that regard. I think mm -hmm. that's great. It's just that for me, it's almost like before I'm going to concern myself with the, you know, the research, the development, the production, et cetera, it's the... But it's the almost like flashing neon lights. The principle of it, safe and effective. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not going to concede that to you, and I'm not even going to concede that these are true vaccines that even require an exception. Like I, I don't need an exception because these aren't even you know true vaccines. That was kind yeah. of the hard line that I decided to take. You know, yeah, and they're not legal, and so correct, like, they're not legal. It's not legal. And by so, the time I resigned, I was well aware of the. Um, the whole Comirnaty, I was I was well aware of that by the time that uh, that I resigned, and I was just like, I can't I can't do this anymore. And here's the other thing, and this is a little bit weird, and maybe people don't necessarily understand this, but in my mind, um, so I had been relieved of command, but in my mind, I still had the mantle of command, and so the decisions that I'm making in my mind, it's almost like I'm still a commander, and so it's like I am not going to go along with this. Like I I do not agree with what the army or dod are doing at all and so for my soldiers who i was in command of even though i've been like ripped out of command like i i'm gonna it's not that i'm trying to be some martyr and just fall on a sword for no reason but it's just that i'm not gonna be a part of this and i feel like i can do more to fight for my country and against tyranny out of uniform than in uniform as paradoxical as that may seem now i know you guys understand that but yeah for, for not, others who might not get that, uh, that's kind of where, where I saw myself in early to mid 2022 as I was trying to figure out whether or not to resign. Right. When we first got that, uh, when we got that first counseling statement um, in October, I wrote, uh, I'm signing this form and counseling statement or contract under under duress by me signing this statement i am in no way shape or form acknowledging the fact that if i don't follow these orders on page one then i will be separated from the army i am exercising my religious rights under the constitution and not agreeing to the terms outlined on page one i have followed all orders on page two so as to not disobey a direct order but i am not acknowledging consenting contracting or agreeing to accept and or acknowledge the orders that if i do not get the yeah. covid19 vaccine then i will be forced out of the army i love the it I, I, yeah i hear you that's great yeah, yeah. so uh, one a couple things um the 2022 ndaa you know you mentioned getting yeah, a general yeah. discharge um very very common to get a general discharge because that's the lowest that they could give um, but what came along with that, the sneaky thing that they did is they characterized under uh, uh, on the DD-214s under characterization of service, 
mm-hmm. or like the reason for the discharge. Uh, they use the code serious uh, misconduct. Yeah, yeah. Which is I'm like not for sexual assault. What you and, guys are talking about, but like you, that. you, I know you've brought up the NDAA. I'm gonna have to research into it and look up to it because I'm. I'm not familiar with the the changes that you keep talking about. So yeah, I'm Cong- gonna... so yeah, Congress put in you know that you the lowest dis- they couldn't give people dishonorable discharges essentially or, or OTH other right. than honorable discharges right. um, as an act of Congress for refusing COVID vaccines. But the workaround is they could still characterize your service and, and the reason for the separation on the DD two fourteen was a serious mix- misconduct. And that's what employers look at. And so it looks like you sexually assaulted somebody, right? Know, essentially, yeah. Yeah. you know, because yeah. that's that's the kind of crime that uh, is typically associated. So it's not it's not like, you know, people that um, piss hot for cannabis or something now, like that. They don't they don't get that on their DD-214. And so it was a way that DOD tried to punish individuals that did not voluntarily resign. Um, not only that deliberate like it's very clearly deliberate um kind of a a a kick in the butt on the way out the door you know yeah i mean they knew exactly what they were doing when they when they decided to put that kind of uh you know code for serious misconduct on people's dd214 because people know what that means when you have to carry that paperwork to a future employer you know i would just i would never admit to being in the army I would just be like, I would just never acknowledge the fact that I was in the army and just never. You'd, show you'd my have DD a hard time filling that thirteen-year gap in employment. History. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I was an entrepreneur, um, self-employed. I'm a self-made man. You know. Um, but you, you said something else about uh, Brad that you feel like you're going to be able to do a better job of serving the country out of uniform. Yeah. So that's a perfect transition into yeah. what what kinds of things that you feel like you'll be able to do now that um, you're out of uniform to, yeah. to serve the country and provide fifth generation leadership. Yeah. What can I help you so, with? We're, we're right here. I want to help too. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's a great question. So I have not, I've been very patient and deliberate and selective about deciding what to do next. And yeah. um, I have not started like a new job yet. Here's what I did not want to do. I did not want to do like a lot of people coming out of the army you know, at, at maybe my rank or experience level and going into some sort of defense related job. I was like, I do not want to work for the government. Right. And I maybe don't even really want to work for some sort of contractor that is, you know, working really tightly with the government, you know, right. stay away from that. And I also don't want to go work for some large corporation where I could probably, you know, go get a job there and do very well. But, and, and it would probably be a, you know, maybe a, a, a great salary, but I don't want to go work for some corporation that is just kind of soulless and lacks integrity. You know, I don't want to do that. Um, so I've been very selective about surveying the field and deciding what to do next. But aside from the exact step of like, what's my next job going to be kind of more big picture, what I'm, here's kind of what I think. Um, and, and you guys, maybe this will resonate with you guys too. So I think at this juncture in our country, we're at like a massive, massive, massive inflection point, the largest inflection point we've been at as a country for several generations you know and i think that if we're going to save this country in whole or in part here's what it's going to require it's going to require like a massive audit of our political and legal systems and almost like the philosophical framework behind those systems and we're going to need people who 
understand that stuff. They understand it intellectually, but they also understand it historically and they understand it from a um, like a patriotism and a uh, and, and an integrity standpoint. And until we find enough leaders that understand that and can almost conduct formally and informally this type of audit of our of our systems and our institutions, we're just going to continue to crumble and there's going to be no way to save um, what once was a great republic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I agree. I, I agree. Uh, and I don't want to get too tinfoil about it, but there is uh, a cyclic cycle of of a of a ruling elite of a in, increased pressure in law, uh, increased um, increased increase of making life meaningless and and more difficult i guess uh at the same time as like uh you know like revolutions start up and and uh it's like the people versus the elites and you can see it all throughout history and, and i i think that we're at that that point right now uh, and and kind of to phrase it the way that like the world economic forum phrases it is it is a, a new world order <laughs> you know we are like entering into a new world order whether we whether we want to or not it's just something that is naturally going to happen right and then there's symbolism throughout the universe that lets us know that this event is about to happen such as everything that we're experiencing right now uh, along with simple things down to the reason why it was the chiefs and the buccaneers you know buccaneers are uh, are pirates and the chiefs are the people of the land you know what i mean and it's just it there's these uh synchronicities i guess that that you can see throughout history that really set set the tone for the next age that's about to happen at least that that's what i'm seeing throughout my study of history and my study of like law and philosophy and right uh, well, when we so when we look at history so you know you guys talking about you know fifth whether it's fifth generation leadership or or just um the, the idea of fifth generation warfare so one of the easiest ways to lose a war is to realize too late that you were in a war you yep. know and when you look back historically it's you know pick a war right from history well, when we look back, it's easy to see the start date of that war. But the people who were living in that time period, there wasn't like a clear today we're not at war, but tomorrow, right. oh, the war has started. It's never the line is always super fuzzy. You can only see it later on. And so it's the same thing with um, if somebody walks up and sucker punches you and knocks you out. Well, what happened? Well, that person knew that they were in a fight, but you didn't know yet that you were in a fight. Right. You know, and you got sucker punched. And so right. if if. If we're in a war right now, and we are, the the number one thing we have to do is acknowledge to ourselves that we are in a war. And what I wish a lot of Americans, and I'm not even talking about like military members, but just Americans, Americans. need to realize or there's people damn war going in on. The we're in a war. Whether you want to be or not, you're in a, a war. And then for those who are in the military, it's, hey, it's going to be real fuzzy as to which side you're on. And just right. and, and the fact that you're wearing a uniform that has like a U.S. flag on it, you know, and maybe it says like U.S. Army, that alone does not necessarily mean that you're on the right side. You might be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're on the right side because 
and again, I got nothing against the DOD as an institution. I got nothing against the military. I'm, I'm very proud to have served in the army, but right now the leadership is uh, you just totally going off in the, in the wrong direction. Do you, uh, do you watch, do you watch TikTok by any chance? No. no. Or did, did you, we're not, did you we're not ever, communists. Did you me. ever, did you ever get into watching TikTok? No. Is there, is there someone on there that I should have watched? there okay so there was this girl and she actually made a i i left a comment on her video and she actually made other videos uh um in response to my comment mm -hmm. and she ended up freaking just ghosting from tiktok uh it was the girl she was in she was in uniform talking about uh martial law and uh um you know about the constitution and about how the the same people uh, i don't know how she worded it but pretty much showing openness to the fact that she is not worried about going against the people you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying yeah. And, oh yeah and I've seen it, that. it I've seen sparked that a freaking an outrage right but it was my comment that that like sparked this whole thing and like the military was contact or the army was contacted for it. She was, uh, I don't, I don't know what happened, but her commanders right. were contacted and then she disappeared. Yep. But, um, it just goes to show the, the mentality of maybe, uh, younger soldiers that are trickling in from this corrupted society that doesn't care about the constitution yep. or, or doesn't care about the rights of their neighbors or their, their, uh, people to the left and right of them and and will easily buy into anything that they are told is for the benefit of humanity you know what i'm saying yeah and the ends the ends justify the means you know yeah exactly consequential and, and, which is, I and think she is wasn't the, the of our 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 principles um and, you know and I she don't, wasn't I don't the only be, one making videos like that either so i'm like man i do not want to be associated with the army anymore man i don't know where it's going i don't know what they're trying to do with it but I, it's very obvious that they are trying to do something and 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 it's very obvious to me that there was an attempt to drive out good strong morally convicted leaders like you and i out of the army so they can continue on with whatever plan that they have while simultaneously the retention numbers are dwindling you know right, what i'm saying right, like right. the and the only reason for that that i could see is if you are trying to uh decrease a a like a a, a nation's military but maybe increase a a global military if that makes sense as we progress towards uh you know, world gatherings of people and world gatherings of technology and then the merging of those two things. And then, you know, uh, you add in factors like this that make people not want to join the military, but then also attract only the right ones, the people that know that they can use the military for a sex change operation or the people that know that they can use the military for, you know, whatever, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, almost like a, almost like a, a welfare system that also gives them power and authority over the world. If that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. So um, it's just wild. Um, yeah. I, I, I would definitely love to talk to you more. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah Cause I, what awesome. I'm tempted to kind of 
launch into is, and, and this stuff gets comp complex, but um, I mean, I, I see the same issues. I have the same concerns, but I attribute most things not to a specific conspiracy, but to the, to the system and the incentives of the system. So when we're looking at senior leaders and the kind of senators that are available to them, like these high paying jobs sitting on boards of defense contractors mm -hmm. or just large multinational corporations, um, you know, that, like you said, are, are these soul sucking jobs yep. that um, like their, their purpose is tied into this large globalist system where the dollar is the world reserve currency and and all the stuff that, that entails where there's people that are working in very difficult conditions throughout uh third world and you know quote unquote developing countries where they're trading you know the products of their labor um for you know their government has is uh inflating their currency and Services. treasury bonds etc and we're able to enjoy the standard of living in america that we enjoy because that's where all the production is happening meanwhile our middle class is getting completely hosed and yeah. uh, the productive sector of our economy where actual stuff gets made which is resilient to um threats posed by sovereign nations that have goals and values that don't necessarily align with american values and interests um, you know, it, it all gets very complex, but um, the, the point that I'm trying to get at is that the military um, is, it's run by uh, civilians. You know, it's run by these GS employees yeah. that uh, have been there forever, that um, rise through the ranks because of their commitment to whatever aspect of the bureaucracy they're in and their their own personal enrichment right. they don't like people with with strong values that have a sense of purpose that like are are self-aware and reflect on that they can't survive in right they don't even want to because don't even want to be a part of it it's almost it, like yeah because it's like what what are you doing like what right. like after afghanistan right yeah. we came out of afghanistan we were there 20 to 40 trillion dollars got poured into that adventure for what you know yeah. and if, if you yep. sat in some gs or ses position right some senior executive staff position somewhere within dod um and th that's what you did for the last 20 years it's like what what were you doing <laughs> you know what how have you contributed to supporting and defending the constitution uh of the united states and the, the fact of the matter is, is these people, they, I don't think they think about that. They're, they're just focused on, Hey, how can I get my high three maximized, yep. you know, for retirement? And that's, that's their big concern. And then not after that, it's like, well, how can I get my high three? And then what's the optimal time to get out and transition into the private sector, which is really working as a contractor or, um, yeah, yeah working for a large multinational corporation that is a large multinational corporation because of government contracts right um and so they they don't have to provide a good or a service to customers that uh want it at a price that they can afford because they're using taxpayer dollars mm -hmm. you know so they don't have to be effective they don't have to be efficient and it's this whole machine that rewards a certain type of person and punishes uh another type of person and it's yeah. not 
it's not necessarily that it's a conspiracy. That's just the nature. It's a spiritual of, war, of the I beast. think. Yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah. You called it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You called it the beast. It, it is the beast, and pretty but, soon the beast will come. Man. That's what I but think. The, but I the 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 fundamental thing that I think that we can change, and why I think populism is the solution, is the reason that it's so bad right now, and it's becoming so obvious that. Our, or, our these large institutions aren't really capable of actually doing the jobs that they purport to say that they can do. Because like you said, Brad, you know, you live the army values, right? It's just that the army, when it says these are our values, it's like the institution doesn't, it's not living in accordance with those purported values. Right, right, right. Um, well, the institution- That's can't... because, well, yeah, the, the power gets concentrated at this, at these very high levels and- the types of people that to to whom purpose yeah matters and they're yep. reflective about that to make sure that hey am, am, is what i'm doing a waste of time or am i just parasitizing the american taxpayer right sure you know people who, who think about that um they get crushed and driven out before they rise up to the top of these massive institutions mm -hmm. and the solution, I think, is that the, the institutions need to be smaller. They need to be leaner so that they are, it is even possible for uh, people of principle in order to control and influence these organizations. Because right now, the way that things are structured, you know, the, the American taxpayer through the electoral system does not have the ability to influence the system yeah we need a public forum we need the, some sort of public forum where the people can speak to the representatives because that doesn't really exist uh like well the, i i think there's certain i think there's certain candidates that have certain qualities it's like if you if you look for those certain qualities where it's you know purpose and like values and these kinds of things and, and people that act in accordance with their principles consistently i think people can identify those folks it's just yeah. there's there's challenges to overcome where we're given often you know through uh control of the primaries the rnc and dnc by controlling who gets selected in primaries we're given this choice of two people in the general elections that um neither of them are people of principle and mm -hmm. the people that are trying to run in the primaries are massively outspent by things like FTX, where it's like they got billions of dollars that get poured from into DC, from DC, specifically candidates that don't have principles. Like it's yeah. not like it's an accident. They're targeting, hey, you know, who are people that we can control with money? Well, we're going to give them the money, and yeah. we're going. And, and the money is so much more important in the primary elections too, because yeah. of name recognition. But the, so like, there's challenges that can be overcome. I think there are political solutions. To these problems um it, but ultimately it's gonna i think drastic things like firing a huge percentage of the federal workforce just firing them because right now it's impossible to fire people and when i say civilians control um the what happens in the military and it's like civilian control of the military is what we should have right but that's elected yeah. civilians yeah. that should be controlling the military not yeah. unelected bureaucrats right. which is what happens and people don't understand the mechanisms, but it's very simple. And Brad, you might be able to comment on this, but if you have a GS civilian and you come in as an active duty dude, and you said you had joint jobs, so I'm, I'm sure you dealt with with plenty of GS civilians sure. that yeah, work. Yeah, sure. 
And so if you have a GS civilian that you're rating, that you're ostensibly their boss as a green suitor, as an active duty service member, and uh, they're not performing well, and or, or they have different objectives and they're, they're acting against what you're trying to do, yeah. and you have a candid conversation with them, you're like, look, like, get on board. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Like, this is the mission. They can, they can very frankly say, get bent. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna outlast you. Like yeah, yeah, you are yeah, gonna be gone exactly right. yeah. in a year or two. And there is literally like you could make it your full-time mission to fire me and you're gonna fail. Yeah. It'll yes. make my life a little bit more difficult. Go for it. Go for it. I like, you know, because a lot of them they seem to get off on it. <laughs> they seem yeah. to get off on it. So, yeah. so you know, if if that person can do that and you're supposed to be their boss, well, guess what? If you're their boss, their performance you're rated on their performance. Like that's going to determine how successful you are. So who works, who works for who? Sure. Sure. No, really exactly. it's the green suitors that are working for um, these, these civilians that don't change out. And I think a lot of them have issues with character where they're only concerned about maximizing their high three and, and they've lost a connection to the oath that they, they took as well to the constitution. Right. Uh, we're uh we're coming up on two and a half hours. Um, I'm not sure how much longer you guys want to go, but I yeah, I'm probably gonna have to go here in a few minutes. We uh we typically always ask the ask everybody that's come on so far. Um, the the world is the world is your horseshoe circular formation around you right now, and you're their battalion commander that's a that's about to leave with one last message. You know what what do you what do you what do you say to them? Yeah. Okay. So I already told you how I think, um, you know, kind of collectively, we need to perform some sort of, of audit of our political and legal systems and the, and the, the uh, philosophical framework behind that. So let me, let me say something else in addition to that. And that's discernment. So I mentioned earlier that if you reduce it down to an either or binary construct of people who either lack strategic thinking ability, strategic thinking ability, or they're cowards, like either one of those disqualifies them for their job if they're a military right. leader, okay? Right, because you but either let's, do or you don't. Yeah, yeah. But, yep. but let's look at it, you know, even outside of just the military. So yep. discernment- Any choice, is, any is, choice. Sure, discernment is is super essential. And what I see right now across the board, unfortunately, is a lot of people who lack discernment. And what I mean mm. by that is they they- have either surrendered their judgment by either outsourcing their people to authority figures or whatever, and they or they lack the experience or or the intellect or I mean in some cases with really smart people, they still are missing critical judgment components to be able to understand, you know, survey the environment, right? Understand the variables that are at interplay within this complex environment, and then make an assessment based on that environment. And then determine what actions you have to take. Right. And, and what I see right now is people that are incapable of discerning. So you guys know there's a lot of, um, you know, information signals that are out there. A lot of times get lost in the myriad of bullshit. You know, yeah. so much, so much information out there. A lot of which is just untrue and meant to deceive you. And a lot of otherwise smart people cannot see through the bullshit to actually pick out the piece of information that are critically important. They, they right. lack that discernment. So how do you get better discernment? I think people need to understand the concept of self-education a little yeah. bit more. 
I was so, going to say, I don't think it's like informational. It's almost something that has to be experienced. Uh, like you, you might gain a familiarity by, by seeking out the information, but it's like, once you put this information together in a way that, that it all like clicks to the point where it's like a, yeah. an experience for yeah. you, yeah. that's when you really like see what is going or, or you know you can see everything for what it is almost yeah. and it's it's like a veil on lifts yeah. from the world so when I, you're I, talking about like clicking you know different pieces of information together or whatever you know that's like learning to just connect dots or learning yeah. to recognize patterns right and that's what i think people need to kind of train themselves to do and they need to you know a lot less time with mainstream media and a lot more time looking at other more critical voices people need to read more like right. we have a society where people don't read and it's just right. like if you don't read you're functionally illiterate and that that too is going to just just mean that people are just going to be much less perceptive um, when it comes to the decision making so you said in terms of sources i wanted to, i want to make comments on those two things because it's really uh valuable in terms of reading i just want to say because I, I i've never said this here before but reading is the one thing that will make you smarter you read stuff that's one to two grade levels ahead of your current reading level, then you will get smarter. It, it grows your brain the same as lifting weights. And if you, it's reading something a little bit higher than your current level yep. is hard. It's not the most fun thing to do. It takes effort, yep. Yep. but it, it will increase your ability to uh, reason. It'll improve your cognitive and, capacity and yeah. to take in um, and to take in context you know like a, a lot of times we come across words in reading that we don't understand but we yeah. use the words that surround it to be able to understand the word sure and that's what people need sure. to do with situations in life as well we might not be able to understand the current situation that we're in but we can gauge the context of that situation by everything that is surrounding it to be able to form a better a better understanding of what the context is if that makes yeah and let me piggyback off what you just said grant um and then i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go here in just a couple minutes but um but so with reading here's what i would say to people who uh self-admittedly they might say hey listen i haven't read i have not read a book in 10 years there are a lot of people out there like that right yeah a lot. so I'm what i would it. say is if you know that it's been a while since you've read real material, you know, like, like in a, in a book, then what I, okay, first of all, here's why a book is important just compared to like a very short article or a video. So first of all, cause there are a lot of great videos out there with a lot of great content creators and you can learn a lot from that. So I'm not saying don't go after that. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm saying also read, but when you look at an article that, that someone produces, even a scholarly article, and then you compare that to a book, a book is long form argumentation. And it's the primary source. Right. I mean, it's just much different than the argumentation that you're going to use, even for a very, you know, high written article. And so learning to make your way through a book will teach yourself to have more intellectual stamina. And that is critically important in this day and age. And if, and if that's, if people aren't at the point where they can pick up a 500 page, super dense, like book on history. Okay, great. Start with something a little bit simpler, but, you know, get through it, work through it, just like you would with anything else, you know, work through it and build your stamina and you will become a much better critical thinker and you will become, you will exercise more judgment and you will become more perceptive. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if it's challenging, that's a good sign. Framing that feeling that, hey, this is difficult to understand, that that's the same feeling as lifting weights right. being difficult. Like right. Right. it is right. helping you. It is, you know, it's not, it's not hurting you. And then, so I, I know you got to go soon. So maybe to close out, um, you mentioned not mainstream media, which I agree with hundred percent because, you know, they, they are enforcing a narrative. Yeah. They're, they're not trying to make money, you know, a, a certain way they're, they're making money based on who owns them and, and enforcing a narrative, but that's, that's complex. You mentioned yeah. Yeah. finding other sources, uh, close us out by telling us how you evaluate sources of information and where you tend to go and direct your energy when you're trying to consume information. Okay. So here's what I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that I had like one stop shop for getting my information. I don't, um, right. if I ever find one, I'll let you know, you ever find one, let me know. So what I do is I use a variety of sources and then it goes back to just what we were talking about a few minutes ago, dot connecting and Who's corroborating what? Here's one thing that I do that maybe a lot of other people don't do, but I think is 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 critical. So uh, first of all, I mean, you can look behind me. You can see that I, I read a lot of books, but let's talk about, we just, we already spoke about that. Uh, here's one thing that I do is I read a lot of foreign newspapers. And okay, so maybe, maybe you don't speak another language. It doesn't matter. For people who want to get a breadth of opinion, you can find English language newspapers for most countries, even if their official language is 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 not English. And so, I love I love newspaper archives. Sure, I'm all I am always sure. reading old historic newspaper archives and like Library of Congress archives because there's so much stuff in there that like, man, we have no we have no idea we have no idea what's in those archives. It is just full of stuff. So, so, so let me just give one example real quick. If somebody wanted to start doing this, right? Okay, so just take whatever's going on in Ukraine. There's a lot of, you know, um, a lot of uh, information and, you know, misinformation obviously being spouted by both sides. Okay, great. But one thing that you can teach yourself to do to get more perceptive is, even if you don't even know which newspapers to look at, but if you just say, hey, I'm going to find an English language newspaper from... Germany, because I'm curious about what they're saying about this particular event. And you know what? I'm going to find an English language newspaper from Poland because I'm kind of curious about what they're saying. Just start there and find sources that you like. And then what you're going to find, obviously, is you're going to find newspapers that say A and you're going to find newspapers that say B. And you don't necessarily have to know which one of those is right. You just have to understand these are people writing from different perspectives that may have different biases themselves. But over time, you just get more perceptive at figuring out which sources corroborate which other sources. And it just helps you develop a, a more complete mosaic of what's happening in the world. A friend of mine uses the term cognitive parallax for that. Like you have multiple views, looking at things from multiple angles. Um, and it, it relates to medicine too, with uh, radiography and imaging. You know, yeah. one view is no views. Yep, you know, yep, yep, so you yep. have to have you have to be able to look at stuff from multiple angles in order to have any hope of building uh, an accurate model in your own mind of what the heck is going on. And um, and there's so that. that's actually not something I've ever done. And I, I really appreciate that. Usually I get it secondary from yeah. other folks that do that. Yeah. Um, but and, uh, I've never done it personally. And I, it's something I might consider. You know? If I would say if people do, if they have the ability to read in a foreign language, 
then I would say read the foreign language newspapers. But there are plenty of people who don't, you know, they only they only read one language. And that's fine, too. So just because if somebody only reads English, the good news is you read a language that, you know, most other governments um, produce or, or not governments, but most other um, you know, yeah. newspapers produce in English, even if right. it's not, you know, their official language. So and, it's still easy to get that information. And what's that? What's that old saying of, uh, uh, you know, there's there's three versions to the story, you know, uh, their side their side and then the truth right you know something right, something, right, something right, like right. that right so if exactly. you're if you're taking information from all these surrounding areas and you're kind of picking up what's being said and it's really about reading and analyzing what's not being said um or or the the association or relationship or or universal opposition of whatever like is being right. said by these guys and these guys um so yeah, I think that's fascinating. Brad, I think you are a very uh, intellectual person, and I, I'm assuming you think about all the same stuff I think about all the time. Um, I think that your your story, um, you know, of going through the military this, uh, or going being in the Army, the career that you've had, and then, you know, the, the assertions that you took is very admirable, and I respect you for it, and I thank you for it, and I hope that you can continue being a, a voice of reason to society um i i would love to chat with you more whenever sure. I, yeah, we yeah, would, yeah. we'd love to have you back on here whenever um yeah it'd be great yeah uh it, it was very nice meeting you like like i said grant talks grant has told me a lot about you so it, it was nice getting to to meet you for sure and hearing some of your thoughts hey thanks guys hey, i appreciate everything that you guys have done individually just with your own stances but i also appreciate what you're doing with this so thanks to you guys and uh Thanks for having me on. Grant. Right on. Thanks, Brad. All um, right. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. All right, guys. Bye. Take care.